there's only one place you can get the true Colorado mountain pie, and that is Bojo's. And we went and got a couple Colorado mountain pies last Thursday, and man, they never, they never disappoint. Not to mention, every slice comes with a honey spoon made out of bread. Yeah, it, you might call it crust. I call it a honey spoon because you just lather it in honey, and then you get dessert with your pizza. And if you go today and mention DNVR, they're going to hook you up with a free honey cheese bread, which I had for the first time. And let me tell you, folks, it's incredible. Uh, everyone that, like, I always thought that sounds really good. Everyone that was with us ended up being like, this is better than I thought it was. So make sure you go and you can check it out for free when you use or when you tell them that DNVR sent you. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee, so good, so rich, so tasty. It's CBD infused. Uh, A lot of people really enjoy the fact that you can get that heightened sense of awareness that you get from the caffeine boost. But if you're someone who gets jittery from coffee, it can kind of mellow out the jitters that come along with it. A lot of people who aren't big coffee drinkers love the Strava Craft Coffee, because it does kind of, you know, uh, take away that jittery feeling. And it can maybe help you with some aches and pains, too. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee and use that code DNVR20 to get 20% off your purchase. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. Great Wednesday hump day. Yeah, it's snowing outside. Zach, you're wearing shorts as usual. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Classic Zach. I you're trying to will nicer weather into existence. Uh, Zach, I admire that. January was pretty much spring, and now winter has set in. Yeah, this February sucks. What is up with this? We <laughs> never get this many separate snows. Like it snows, it snows every other day. All of a sudden, I literally think yesterday was the 18th of February. Well, I know that, and I think there were 11 different days of snow in the month. That's so weird. For those of you who aren't from Colorado, we usually get a couple snows, and then it's really nice for like a week after that, and then maybe another snow. But it never snows off and on like this in Colorado. I mean, this is like this is like what people who aren't here, aren't from here, imagine when they think of Colorado, but it's <laughs> yeah. really not like this. And no. the other thing that's interesting is that usually we get more snow in March and April. That's our snowy season. Then yeah. February. You and what I think the reason we're seeing so much snow now is we're in a for whatever reason the jet stream is kind of settling some fronts over Colorado and what's happening is this sort of pattern is setting in while it's still cold enough for it to always be snow. Usually when we're in a pattern of precipitation, it comes toward the spring when the temperature can be a bit warmer. It's coming down. Some of it comes down in the form of rain or just because it's it's warmer and in the spring, then right after the snow falls, it melts. 
here it's not ha- this here in February not having the chance to it the, sucks the draft of course is at the end of April beginning of May typically Demarcus Walker when the Broncos drafted him do you mean Malik <laughs> Malik Walker <laughs> uh, that was the first time he had ever seen snow in person because of course we were getting dumped on at the beginning of May yeah it famously snowed on my graduation day from CU my mom being the legend that she is ended up having to order like last minute a tent for my graduation party which was supposed to be in the backyard (laughs) so we had like a tent with heaters in it that actually ended up being awesome we called it the thunderdome (laughs) (laughs) had lots of drinks it was a good time but yeah it was like it was snowing sideways yeah when i graduated from cu it seems like we've gotten used to some mother's day snowstorms over the years, we lost a tree in our backyard one year because of one of those snowstorms because it was already starting to have some leaves and some buds and all that. So there went our beautiful uh, little peach tree in the backyard. You know, the Broncos connect. You had a peach tree? Yeah, we did. That's Pretty- amazing. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos connection for this, you know, Mike Shanahan, while he was coaching, actually got to the point where he moved minicamp to later in the offseason, and one year had minicamp in July because the traditional weekend of minicamp for the Broncos for a while was Mother's Day weekend, but then they had two or three years where it snowed every weekend. They didn't have the field house like they had now. They had to go down the street to the South Suburban Sports Dome to practice, and that field is terrible. Ask Quentin Carter, whose career was never the same after he got hurt on that field, and Shanahan got sick of it and said, okay, we're going to move the Mantoy minicamp to another time of the offseason. But moving it to early July was the worst. Yeah, that's Every terrible. player hated that. Every media member hated that. The players hate it because usually when offseason work OTAs end, they like to you know, scatter for six weeks. Yeah, that's Shanahan cool. having minicamp in early July meant that they couldn't, they couldn't go away for more than about two and a half weeks. Thank goodness that's not allowed in the current CBA. Oh, Mike, he would do things. But the, the genesis of that was the Mother's Day snowstorms, the May snowstorms. My question is, if you have a choice to where you can put minicamp, why would you put it on Mother's Day so guys can't be with their moms then? Well, they do rookie camp now on Mother's Day weekend. I hate that. And believe me, like when you guys are eventually in a situation where when we're mothers. you're a parent and you're with a mother – and you have to if you're still covering the, if you're covering the team and you say sorry I, I've got to go down to Broncos because they're having a media availability today and it's Mother's Day uh, be prepared for the I wouldn't say the odd stare but maybe the angry stare <laughs> I bet <laughs> I bet this past year I had to promise I'd say sorry uh, we will go out for a late lunch when I get back but I have to go didn't go over well this year we'll cover you Mace. That's all right. It's part of the job, part of the gig. Speaking of stare-downs, the Broncos are in a bit of a stare-down with their free agents right now. And uh, most notably is probably Shelby Harris, who said on the radio recently that uh, essentially the Broncos handled this all wrong with him (laughs) and that they would have had a much better chance of signing him if they came to him earlier, which... Personally, I don't buy. I think it's just, um, I don't know, trying to make it seem like the Broncos did something wrong where they really didn't. The way Shelby's talking about this, he gone. Yeah. And he always was as far as I was concerned. So I think he's like trying to build up good faith with the fans of like, oh, like it's not my fault. It's the Broncos' fault. 
Why would it matter if they came to you two weeks ago versus two weeks from today? He says not only would it be different and that he would be signed up right now, but that he would be, quote, way cheaper if they would have come to him. Now, now he, he said and that if they came was, to him. Uh, on the fan. Right. Correct. Exactly. If the Broncos would have come to him before the season or early in the season. Okay, I can see that before the season. Everyone's always cheaper before the season, which I've never understood why the Broncos don't sign up everyone before <laughs> their last season. Um, but at, once we've gotten to this point, I don't think it matters. Once the season has ended, I don't think it matters. Right, right. I, I, I agree. And he, here's the exact quote. He said, We always said if we could have got something done before the end of the season, one, it would have been way cheaper, but then two, I would have had no problem staying here for years to come. So not only way cheaper, but he's saying if a deal would have been done earlier, he would have had no problem staying here. So because a deal's not done, does he have a problem staying here? And the odd thing about this is I know that in the preseason and training camp, Shelby Harris was not happy about his role because he was being played at nose tackle, which was an unnatural position for him. Why would he have signed a long-term deal at that point? Right. Exactly. And that position clearly didn't work for him. Yeah. And they moved him and he ended up having a career year. Yeah. Six sacks, which as just ask uh, Malik Jackson, will get you paid. Yeah. So I, again, I think there is some um, holes in this argument, like I said, he w- why would you sign up for a long-term deal when you're unhappy with your role in the new defense? Sure. He wasn't happy, but, I mean, he was happier as the season went on. That's what I mean, but though. Now, but- yeah, but now it's like, okay, what, why won't you show me you love me? I think that's something that every guy wonders. But what I'm saying is it wasn't until week five that he moved back to the edge and, or to the outside of the interior defensive line. And it probably wasn't until week eight at the earliest where he he probably realized, okay, I really like this mm-hmm. this role in this defense. So he's saying early in the season or before the season, he was angry at that point. He was mad at the, the situation. And it had changed dramatically. And I know his outlook on it had changed dramatically as well. By the end of the season. Right, by the end of the, yeah. by the, end of the season. So... If you're the Broncos, it sort of comes to a general philosophical thing. They've gotten some deals done during the season and into January. Like, for example, Derek Wolf was re-signed back in January of 2016, right before the Broncos played the Steelers in the playoffs. Chris Harris Jr. was a December 2014 re-signing. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Darian Stewart, these guys were re-signed during season, so... There is a willingness to make deals for guys they want, but for someone like Shelby Harris, who, while he's he's not going to be a top two or three defensive lineman in free agency, he's going to get paid. If you wanted him, why why wouldn't you come to him at some point in the last month and say here? Here's a deal. It's not like, uh, you know, you have Rick, Rick Hurtado coming in as the new vice president of football administration, replacing Mike Sullivan. It's not like he's, you know, sitting around. I mean, Hurtado and, the, and Elway and the Broncos could have come to Shelby Harris at some point in the last few weeks. And I think from Shelby Harris's perspective, it feels more like, okay, 
you know, I did well. I've said I'm interested in coming back. Why aren't why aren't we talking right now? Well, it's not just the last few weeks or few months either, because with Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr., they did get those deals done, but not until very late in the season. I've got to imagine the Broncos knew it in August and September that they wanted those guys back before they signed those deals in their respective years. It it doesn't make sense. And now, not just with Shelby Harris, because I believe they could have got him for way cheaper last year before he went on to have a career year, but Justin Simmons. And, and we talked about this when we had this conversation a month ago. You knew you liked Justin Simmons, right? Did you know you loved him? Maybe not yet, but you didn't have to pay him love money if you signed him up last summer. You could have paid him, uh, what, six, seven, eight million bucks? Probably. season Probably. almost like that's like a 40 percent discount from what it looks like you're going to get right now and Shelby talked about the way the Broncos do business he said the way they're doing business right now they're not really trying to have talks until a couple of weeks before free agency it's kind of a late start but you just get to roll with the punches I guess it's the way the Broncos do business then he continued and he said the Broncos have their way of doing things sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't if they would have definitely come with a legit offer before the season or early in the season, I definitely would have been listening. So what this tells me from Shelby is some guys probably don't mind hitting free agency because then they get to collect all the money. Uh, but other guys, it s- simply pisses off. It seems like Shelby was very upset that the Broncos didn't even offer him anything before the season. And now he's probably saying, yeah, any discounts? No, I'm Three weeks away from hitting the open market, I'm going to get my full value. Well, you give the discount earlier in the season because then what if you get hurt? Well, then you still get paid. Of course. And that's why, and that's why you give the discount. Now, uh, unless a player who's in this situation, unless he slips on a banana peel in his kitchen, the injury risk is relatively minimal, right? So, yeah. That's so that's about. done. Weird injuries like that. Yeah. But another interesting thing. Yeah, just don't carry deer meat, right? Yeah. Mace, you you mentioned uh, Rick Hurtado, them bringing him in. Chris Harris Jr. earlier this week, I believe on the fan as well, said that the Broncos, he was in talks with the Broncos when Mike Sullivan was still on board. And then when Sullivan left and they brought in Hurtado, talks have stopped. Now, is that interesting to you guys with who is that with Chris. Rick Hurtado and Chris Harris Jr. I go back to what I said yesterday I think it's just time time to part ways and I think the more the longer this goes the more the both sides realize this relationship isn't harmonious anymore and I think the Broncos might make a low ball offer if Chris hits doesn't go in the first round of free agency, you know how you get, you have your top tier guys, and then you got the guys who are making probably over ten million, and then the second round is guys who are going to make under ten million. If for some reason he doesn't get a bite early on, then I can see the Broncos coming back with a you know an eight million dollar a deal a year deal. So with that, let's say Chris doesn't get a, a bite on the first round, then there's the exact same offer. Who, who who's a team that's similar to the Broncos in terms of appeal? for a free agent to sign with right now 
like kind of a borderline playoff team. Indianapolis. Trending in the right direction. Okay, let's say he has the exact same offer from Indianapolis and the Broncos in the second tier. So they're both offering three years, $8 million with 16 guaranteed. And that's the best offer he has from both of those teams. You think Chris is coming back? Yes. Or do you think he's going home? I think or he, go, leaving. I think he stays at that rate. I think he may be at the point where he just says, I feel more disrespected by the Broncos offer than I do by this other one, even though it's the exact same one. See, I think he would say, if I'm not going to get the bag, I might as well not uproot my family. Okay. That's fair. You know, if, if the Broncos are offering eight and someone else is offering 13 or even 11, then you say like, okay, well, it's worth going. But like the idea of finding a new house you know moving all of your belongings all of that stuff is it sounds terrible the for the same thing, amount yeah. of money i think he would say it's not worth it you actually end up losing money in that deal because you have to pay for all of you know the new things that you're going to want unless honestly. you go to a team that is in a state that doesn't have a state income tax right or so you know if, you or yeah. if the value of your house in denver is really high and you sell it and make a bunch of money off so of if it. like tampa bay came comes to him with that offer he might say well you know tampa bay the defense looks like it's on the upswing. I don't have state income tax. I'll go be a buck. I don't the, think he would go to a, a team that wasn't in the playoffs this year. What about the Cowboys? That's more interesting. I yeah. mean, and then that's the Cowboys home. say well, that's home. The Cowboys get right. Well, the Cowboys get like a half price discount from Byron Jones to Chris. And that's a good deal for that. Them. Can make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it can make a lot of sense for the Broncos to go after Byron Jones. Yes. Again, I think in most scenarios, I see both sides saying, "Hey." Good luck. And I see the same thing in a way of good luck. Thanks for everything you've done. Yes. For us yeah. in terms of a, a nice goodbye. Yeah, I think so too. And that's, that's the way I see it folding, unfolding with Chris. That's the way I see it going with Shelby Harris as well. I don't think it's going to be quite as right. um, amicable. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Because I don't, I don't really see the two sides even talking once free agency starts. I think Shelby's going to be in that first wave. He's going to be in that first wave that goes quickly. That is, uh, he he also has Drew Rosenhaus as his agent, and he talked about that why he he got Drew Rosenhaus, and he said going going into free agency, you want people to understand that we're not taking any bargains and we mean business. And I think Drew is that perfect person. Of course he is. He, he Drew's the perfect person. What this says is he's going to decide his team. By not looking at who's on the letterhead, he's going to say, what's that final dollar amount? And I honestly think that when Drew Rosenhaus is picking clients, that's something that he says. He says, hey, do you want to go to compete or do you want to go compete for championships or do you want to go get the bag? And if they say, I want the money, then he says, cool, let's go do this. (laughs) You know, because he says, I will finesse the hell out of a desperate team who really wants interior pass rush. And, hey, if that is the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if you're trying to go win a championship with the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not interested because I can make more money from someone else. (laughs) The other thing with Shelby Harris to consider is he's hitting free agency now, and this is six years after he was drafted because he got cut. He took the roundabout path to getting this point. He basically lost a a year or so in the middle of his career that would have brought him closer to free agency. So he's a bit older than most guys who are hitting the market for the first time 
in their careers. So he feels like this has to be his score. There will be two Harrises wearing orange and blue in training camp. Devontae Harris and Jonathan Harris. <laughs> <laughs> and two that were wearing orange and blue last year that are moving on. Yep. That's and actually I, wild that there were four Harrises last year. I know. <laughs> and I, was, I couldn't find a play. I, I, I was waiting for the play where all four of them were on the field at the same <laughs> yeah. time, but it never came. I remember Shelby Harris turns 30 uh, in or turns 29 in August, turns 30 uh, next year. And that, that's, again, it's part of what's, what's governing him here. And I, I understand completely where he's coming from on this. He's got to score now. The Broncos' defense was very old. Shelby Harris, Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, Kareem Jackson. Von Miller. Von Miller. I yeah. mean, we're talking about – I didn't really think of it during the season, but that is an old defense. Old, or if you want to look at it on the positive side – experienced yes <laughs> mature um, but you also have you know <laughs> now you're gonna have bradley chubb back in the fold um justin simmons is on the younger side alexander johnson alexander johnson is on the young younger side probably really any corners you have are all gonna be young bryce callahan decently young so now you're gonna get a lot younger um speaking of old Another name that's been in the news the last day or so is Joe Flacco. Why? Aren't we done talking about him? I mean, the amount of just like fear mongering that goes on in the offseason with especially pro football talk (laughs) is just unbelievable. You have to keep people clicking. You got to keep people coming to your site. Even Even with Chris Harris yesterday, they they like picked some quote off of Nikki's piece. This said like it might be time to move on but that was like the full context of it was like hey and if it doesn't work out it might be time to move on you know right and uh then they do this thing with joe flacco which i know they knew exactly what they're doing like Broncos source says joe flacco will be ready to play in 2020 <laughs> and it's like you know what you're doing here um but mace do you kind of want to explain why it's important to the Broncos for Joe Flacco to be healthy? Yes, because there are a couple of things at play. Number one, if he's not healthy, then to cut him, you have to negotiate an injury settlement. Now, right now, if they cut him and he's healthy, it's going to be a $13.6 million of dead money, but they get $10.05 million of cap savings. That They would probably have to give him more in an injury settlement so they could wipe out some of the cap savings that they would have if he's hurt and they do a settlement with him. The other thing is, and this is what the Broncos certainly might be hoping for, if he's healthy, then there might there there could be the potential of some trade interest, even though my counter to that is you have the deepest free agent quarterback class probably in the in the free agency era of the NFL in terms of the guys that are going to be out there. Does Joe Flacco really have as much value as he would have, say, a couple of years ago when you had Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, and then a huge drop-off? So while that comes into the thinking as well, I don't know if that has as much value as simply being able to say, okay, if he's healthy, we can cut him just for the terms that currently exist. If he's not healthy, it brings an injury settlement into play, and that's probably going to cost us more money because if he's injured, Joe Flacco, he's going to want to maximize his cash outlay as he 
goes out the door because injury means that he's probably not playing again and you want to get that last big score. Absolutely. You want a nice retirement bump right now, but no I mean, one. He's got, what, six kids? Yeah, yeah. exactly. College all, isn't all cheap. young. It's only rising. Uh, no one's trading for Joe Flacco. Uh, the Broncos, what was it, a third or a fourth? I don't even remember what they gave for him last year. A fourth? A fourth? Yeah, there's no value for Joe Flacco anymore, especially taking on a contract like that. He he can be in the NFL next year if he wants to be at the right price and the right role, and that means you are a backup, and that means you are making backup money, $5 million. Joe Flacco may say, I don't want to uproot my family and have to move to another city again to then move back to Baltimore in a year after that for $5 million. So no one's trading for Joe Flacco. This is all about uh, the injury settlement and potentially scaring the Broncos to getting more money. And and the Broncos saying, nope, look, Joe, you're fine. Look, the, the first, uh, first report on the MRI that he took last week came back encouraging, whatever that means, and now the report's being sent to get a second opinion and, uh, you know, j- just a little bargaining on both sides. If you're Joe Flacco, what do you want that second opinion to come back as? Bad. <laughs> you, you want to say that bulging disc is still bulging. It reminds me of a story about a player who um, it was in the NBA a long time ago, and now he's a broadcaster, Jimmy Spinarkle, who said that he injured his wrist, and that night he, went, he and his wife went out and toasted his injured wrist because it guaranteed his salary for the rest of the season. Oh my <laughs> God. So, you know, that's, I'm not saying it's going to be like that in the uh, Flacco household. If well, that is the case, Flacco might pull a Gardner Minshew, start trying to break his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think in the end, Joe ends up being okay. Medically cleared. I don't think there's a rush in order to cut him. Mason. No, because it, you, you'd you like to get it done and, and get it off the books, but at the same time, the Broncos, the cap space they have, it's not like they're not able to do most of what they need to do. Now, that being said, that's ten, that is still, if you cut him, that's $10.05 million of cap space. Well, and, and two things really quick. You have to be under the salary cap at the start of the new league year. So when free agency right. opens— You have to be under the cap, which there's no problem with that. The Broncos will be under the cap. But I also think what why I mean there's no rush in doing it is you can go over the cap once free agency begins and stuff. You just have to be under by the start of the season. And I don't think there's an incentive in Joe Flacco's contract to cut him by a certain date to save more money. So Well, you have to be under every day, but it's only the top 51 contracts as you go through the off season. So basically like what happens for example is that you have a bit of a cap hit when you start signing draft picks because when your first, second, third, fourth round picks, they're going to be in top 51 territory, so they're going to affect your cap a bit. So basically, you could probably get away with not having to make a move on Joe Flacco until you start signing your draft picks. And then okay. you can still kind of maximize what you have. Right. Okay, so so they have time. But you, is but what you I'm have saying. to be in compliance every day. And now John Elway says, according to Mike Kliss, that you know the Broncos haven't made up their minds on what they're doing with Joe Flacco. I hope that's just John saying that. 
I think it is because he's trying to keep the door open for a trade. Yeah, for a trade by saying he's healthy and come get him. Right, and like, oh, he's good, so we might want to keep him. It better be that. It yeah. better be. <laughs> I can't even imagine a world in which Joe Flacco is on the team in training camp. I mean, when was the last time we talked about his name? A month ago? Yeah. I mean, if he is in the card, that would blow everyone's socks off, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, it's impossible. It is literally – I guess in the only way it could be possible is if uh, he took a massive pay cut. to be And just to be a backup. Just to be a backup. Even then, I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. You had a one-year experiment. It didn't work. Time to move on. Here's your $10 million, Joe. Thanks. But the one thing that is literally impossible is Joe Flacco playing for the Broncos on his current contract. Yes, year. that will not happen. No matter what, that will not happen. No. All right. Well, if that conversation made you feel like you need a drink, hit up Brackenridge <laughs> mm-hmm. Brewery. Uh Personally, I've been liking the Avalanche Ale recently with all of this snow. Um, although I've told you guys about my Strawberry Sky concoction, which caused a stir in the DNVR office yesterday. Some uh, beer enthusiasts, beer enthusiasts, uh, believing that beer should not be mixed. But I say, people mix wines all the time and create hybrid wines. Why can't you do it with beer? And if you tried this mix, you would agree with me. But the Avalanche Ale is also a, a good one to turn to when it's snowing and kind of get that vibe going. There's also a raspberry nitro vanilla porter that's circulating right now. So uh, the options are endless. Breckenridge beers are the best. And we love when you guys send us the pictures of your Breckenridge beers at home. Tag us, tag Breck Brew, whatever it is. We love seeing your haul. We love seeing what you're drinking. Uh, so shout out to Breck Brew and shout out to you guys for always showing us what you got. Ryan, you got to be innovative, whether it comes to football, whether it comes to the beer scene. Breckenridge Brewery themselves are great at being innovative. I mean, some of those beers you just mentioned are very innovative. But then you yourself took it to the next level, and you're innovative with that mixture. I absolutely love it. So you only have support on this podcast with that. You know where you can get some Breckenridge beers, too? Where's that? Watching a Colorado Raptors game. Ooh. At their, oh, man, do they have an awesome setup to watch games. And we are following the Colorado Raptors. Now, of course, we got Colton Strickler on the beat. And this is, this is so cool because this is a game that's foreign to a lot of us. And Colton is doing a great job of bringing you along, showing you what what rugby is like, what the Colorado Raptors are like, and this is a perfect time to join along in, in our quest of learning rugby and following the Colorado Raptors. Yeah, we really want people to kind of uh, give rugby a chance. Like I said, I went to a watch party uh, the other day, and or last week or so, a couple weeks ago maybe. I, I can't keep track of my days anymore. Um, and it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. The community was really welcoming, very willing to help me learn the game because I was trying to figure out a lot of the different strategies and whatnot. And, um, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. So, um, their first game is this weekend. Our first home game, I should say is this weekend. So hopefully the weather will be nice. Get out to infinity park and check them out and make sure you check out our coverage of the Colorado Raptors. And it's an awesome place to go for a family affair. Tickets are going for just $20 for adults and five for kids. So get out there this Saturday. And what time does the game start? 
for everybody. I believe it's an afternoon game. I want to say 4 o'clock. Yep. On Saturday. Yes. 4 o'clock on Saturday. All right. Well, right now at 4 o'clock on Saturday, you're looking at uh, 41 degrees, which in Colorado in the wintertime is pleasant and no precipitation. Nice. Sunny so day? Partly cloudy. All right. So partly work. sunny, depending on your perspective. <laughs> A good day to be outside in the winter compared to some of these snowy days. So, hey, worth going over to Infinity Park and checking it out. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into the questions from the listeners here. Got some long ones, got a lot of them. And a quick reminder from you guys, uh, just to try and keep it a little bit more brief. Uh, I know we've we've really tried to at least institute a TLDR policy if you're going to write a novel in there. We have some comments here pushing a thousand words today, which <laughs> is just a little ridiculous. Like, I love you guys a, a lot, but uh, it, it's a little ridiculous to write a thousand words in the comment section. First, we appreciate the interest, though, and appreciate you following along with us. But, uh, yeah, TLDR is everyone's friend. Let's get started with this comment from Lou Drock. Hi, guys. Two questions for you. Number one, we should be happy with the Broncos giving Washington the number 15 pick, Vaughn Miller, and a third rounder for their number two pick, and with that pick drafting Chase Young. I'd be very sad to see Vaughn go, but this would be a hell of a move. Number two, can you buy London Pride in the U.S. proper beer? Keep up the great pods. Look forward to the combine coverage. Cheers. Charlie, never, never seen London Pride. I only drink damn good beers, not proper beers. <laughs> so, would you be down for this? Is it a damn good trade? Would you say, Ryan? Okay, let me know what it was again. It number was, fifteen, yeah. Vaughn, and a third for number two. Yep, sign me up for Chase Young. Yep, or are you going after someone else? Chase Young. So Vaughn, fifteen, and a third. Which third? I don't care. You're only, if you think about it this way, me. you're only really giving up a third-round pick. You, you're Von Miller's a one-for-one one trade. Uh, the 15th pick and the, and the number two pick is a one-for-one one type of thing. And um, you, you're giving away a third-round pick. Wait, how is it one-to-one one if you're giving up Vaughn and 15 for the second? What I'm saying is you're replacing Vaughn with Chase Young. Right. And so I guess... It's, uh, I'm doing a little bit of mental gymnastics there to say it's one for one to give up Vaughn and 15 for Chase Young. I see what you're but saying. But what I'm saying is you got a first-round pick, right. you replaced Vaughn Miller, and you gave up a third-round pick. What you're doing is you're giving a first-round pick to upgrade Vaughn Miller. And, and I don't just mean for this year, because Vaughn may be better than Chase Young this year. But for the next, I mean, how old is Vaughn right now? 31? And you say that because you have to, but was Vaughn Miller even close to as good as Nick Bosa was this year? No. Not even in the same world. So it's very possible that Chase Young's an upgrade this year. Yeah. But what we know for sure, or I'm pretty confident saying, is you get an upgrade of Von Miller for the next eight years. Well, the other thing you have to consider yeah. in the short term as well is the savings of putting Chase Young in instead of Von Miller. If you made this sort of trade, gentlemen, you'd actually want to make it before the start of the new league year because – what this is saying is that you're leaving one other need on the roster unfilled because you're using this pick to replace a Von Miller. So you'd want to take some of that savings and roll it right into, say, a wide receiver, or maybe you know maybe you say, okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna go D line, or we're gonna go for another cornerback, or we're gonna go for an interior offensive lineman. So that's part of it. That's why it's not strictly one for one. Think about this: yeah. Bradley Chubb and Chase Young. I've said, said I've said that <laughs> Chase Young 
is probably the best pass rusher at the top, at or near the top of the draft since Von Miller. I mean, Oof. the question here is why would Washington do this deal? They get Von Miller and we'll just say they don't really need wide receivers, do they? Who's someone that's going to be there at 15 that they really need? I mean, they have needs all over the place, but. Yeah, they, they can fill any number of positions and be filling a, a position of need. So Yeah, this is easy because it it's a bad trade for Washington. Yeah. They, they should be getting multiple first-round right, picks for number say, two. Vaughn Miller, 15, next year's one and a three. How do you think a, a Metroplex guy like Vaughn Miller would like going to the arch rivals of the Dallas Cowboys, too? <laughs> God, I would actually feel bad for Vaughn. But <laughs> yeah. I, I could... I, I don't see this deal happening, no. but I could see why Ron Rivera might be interested <laughs> in experienced players to stop the bleeding in Washington as quickly as possible. Remember, this morning, Washington picked up the option on Adrian Peterson Not to, mention. to bring him back. So I think Ron Rivera is thinking, I want some veterans in this mix. I'm going to have a young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins in all likelihood but I want some veterans around to try to get this thing fixed and back to respectability as quickly as possible. Not to mention he'd be adding the guy who effectively ended his career (laughs) in Carolina. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Next one coming in from Bristol Bully Bronco. Hey, guys, I'm a new subscriber from Bristol in the UK. We got him. Have been listening to the pod for a few months and wanted to check out what is behind the paywall. For my first contribution, I have to make the case for you to support Everton. Being an Everton fan can be tough. We are normally pretty good, but without making the breakthrough, but without making the breakthrough, Everton has a proud history and is one of the most successful teams in English football history. While things have been tough, our new Italian manager Carlo Ancelotti. 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 Enchiladas. Enchiladas. Mm. Wow, that sounds good. Means the future looks bright. Sounds familiar to being a Broncos fan. Every year, I believe just to get. Every year, I believe, just to get hurt again. The main reason to be an Everton fan is the community. You will not meet a better group of football supporters than the Toffees. Toffees? Toffees? Toffees. Toffees. To add to the Mm. comparison, our bitter rivals, Liverpool, are about to win the league. I hate them as much as you all hate the Chiefs. Keep up the great pot. You lost me with that one. I don't want to get into that world again where... Uh, the whole world is losing their minds but one over thing, the rival being good. But one <laughs> thing to consider, though, with Everton is that from the perspective of being in this country, you want to have a side that is always in the Premier League, right? So you can watch them yes. on television and streaming. Everton has the most seasons in the top flight of English football. Is there any team that's black and gold? Wolves is pretty close to that. Wolverhampton Ooh, this Wanderers. Is, <laughs> this is a match made in heaven, I think. I think you'd call the now? you'd call the yellow kind of amber. Oh, I don't like I don't like yellow. See, like you're wearing black and yellow, even yeah, though they want to be black and gold. That, it's, it's, you think that it's kind of an old? It's well, it's funny because like I have Mizzou stuff that is straight up old gold, which is technically Mizzou's color, but this is more of kind of a dark mustard. That one actually yes. is closer than some of their uniforms have been in the but past. But some of them are, they're, but they're going like to a French's mustard on some things at Mizzou. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Like buy into a gold and roll with it. 
Roll with gold. I True think gold. that's about as close to gold as you can get. That one actually Unlike, is more gold than Mizzou right. has on some of their uniforms. They have a lot of yellow. Mizzou's got, yeah. Mizzou has an identity crisis when it comes to All right, this gold. Is, this is a big step for me. I'm Googling Wolverhampton. <laughs> Are you ready? Do you have an announcement to make, Ryan? I don't know. I got to see what their kits look like. All these teams have so many different. So kits, that's the soccer way. Yeah, of, that's, that's the soccer their, jersey. That's their crest. I mean, the crest is. Let me see. Dope. The, the it, it's it's funny because the crest is it's very kind of nineteen seventies eighties modern with a lot of crests. You see, you know, they're kind of like heraldic arms basically. But wolves is very sleek. Yeah, I was gonna say it. It looks like something that you, if you make a new franchise in Madden. That you can create, like it's a li- it's a little too basic. It is. I kind of like the uh, the minimalist aesthetic look there. Yeah, <laughs> but I do. I can't say I love the colors. I'm not going to count them out, but they are black and yellow, mm. not black and gold. So then you can have a song about them: black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. But I don't know if there's anybody that's straight up like see you gold. I know that's why I see you in the best. English football. <laughs> now, I mean, maybe you could kind of go down go down the tiers a little bit, but I know you want somebody at the top. I think Wolves is about as close as you're going to come, RK. What is uh, Tottenham's colors? Uh, blue and white. Navy blue, mm, specifically. It's not, not going to do it for me. Yeah. Well, blue, I mean, I'm a fan of blue and white, but maybe just no one has black and gold, and I just have to uh, let that go. What's the best These blue? teams change their kits every year. How, yes. How is that fun for the fans? Because then you never have the right jersey. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless you're really rich and you can buy this, the new kit every year. I've gotten to where I just say if I really like a kit, I'll I'll buy the jersey. But other, but it's usually every few years for me. Like with Manchester City, I have a 1989 retro shirt. I have the one from 2010, which is kind of just a, a round collar, a white collar, uh, round with a, on a very basic a blue a jersey and I have an the, a change kit of theirs from 2011 2012 which is red and black and looks like AC Milan basically mm. oh um in 2016-17 Tottenham had a white and gold kit and then um I'm looking here in some other year oh also wait that also says 2016-17 but those they had one that was gold with blue pinstripes but I've found a deal breaker with Tottenham, and this one is something I I can't. Oh wait, never mind, never mind. What Did you was, think what there was, was something be? with involved with a Ram or something? No, they were Under Armour back then, but now they're Nike, so we're all good. <laughs> what do you have against Under Armour? Everything. I have everything against Under Armour. <laughs> I will never wear Under Armour. Sorry. Um, you don't have to apologize to me. I'm a Nike guy, and CSU's Under Armour, and I already didn't like. Under Armour before they went to CSU. So what happens if CAU changes from Nike? What do you do? You go all Something, in with a new company? I, I Yeah, I have to. I, I wouldn't have a choice, but I would hate it. So CU wakes up and has a new, strikes a deal with New Balance tomorrow. What's your reaction? Oh, I would much prefer New Balance over Under Armour. Okay. Would Under Armour be the worst? Yes. <laughs> Why um, is Under Armour the worst? I don't know. I just I'm not brand conscious like you are. Well, it's so. like I feel like... Nike is the Broncos and Under Armour is the Chiefs, and so like, like so Under Armour is more the Ravens. I'm trying based to like, I'm just trying to relate uh, to the I people think, here. Like, it's a re- it's a rivalry, and I pick the side. I think Under Armour never competes though like that. I would say they're in my mind. 
the kind Raiders? of irrelevant. Not, yeah, but maybe even more like the Dolphins. What I'm saying though is there's a rivalry. I picked a side of the rivalry, and I'm never, I, I, I never want to change. I, I picked the Nike buffs, when I was young too, and I picked Nike because of the Buffs. So they've always had a really good relationship with Nike. I think it would be kind of shocking if that relationship ever fell through. Money talks, though. But money does talk. If it happened, I would, I would need a minute. <laughs> I would need a minute, but I would eventually just have to accept it, and it would be terrible. Okay. Anyways. Tottenham's still on the board. So is Wolves. Speaking of Tottenham, Tater Tot Tom says, hi. How <laughs> Tater <much> Tottenham. <laughs> how much pre-planning do you do on, on what you will talk about during the show? Besides just doing more podcasts together, how do you make sure not to talk over one another during the show? Well, like today, we just tossed out a few things for about five or ten minutes before the podcast. Kind of, okay, do we talk about a Shelby Harris? Do we talk about Joe Flacco? We have a few ideas that we can come back to at pretty much any time that uh, we've discussed that are a little more evergreen. Like uh, one thing that we look forward to doing is uh, taking a spin on the quarterback roulette wheel Mm. and figuring out where these guys are going to go league-wide. But it's good to always have a couple of kind of backup ideas in play if you just come – if we, if we arrive and there's nothing going on, and there will be some days where that happens. We don't expect many of those days in the next couple of weeks, of course. Um, as for talking over each other, what's, what's interesting is that you come from, coming from radio, for me, if you're having an earnest argument, talking over each other isn't necessarily the worst thing. It's part of kind of what makes a, a dynamic, robust dis- discussion. But you, one then does have to yield to make sure the other can make his point. We, we ha- I mean, we're sitting in the same room. We have a lot of nonverbal communication. You know, like, all, like if Mace is talking, Zach and I will look. We'll decide who's going to go next, um, especially in terms of who's going to read the next question, that sort of stuff. Um, Zach will – we have some, um, like, <laughs> signs. So if anyone's trying to sign steal us – then they're going to know exactly what's happening in the podcast soon. Um, like, if I'm going to do a read, Zach o- acts like he's uh, opening a book to give me the signal of, like, you got to read, you got to read. Um, so there's and a lot of just eye contact, certain things we, we're able to, to communicate and on. And more podcasts helps a ton, and, and, and that's what chemistry is. And also, in terms of what we're going to talk about, we're all football guys. We're all Broncos guys. So it's pretty easy. It, it, it doesn't take hours of planning and, and hours of research to, to do a show. Most of the time, the show writes itself. Right. So. All right. Next one here is from. The Count. The Count. Go all ahead. right. Okay, gents. It's time for a little would you rather. In this scenario, you get to play in the NFL for one game. So easy for me. Would you rather return an interception for a 100-yard touchdown Rush for 140 yards and three touchdowns. Pass for four touchdowns and 350 yards. Return a punt for a game-winning touchdown. Kick a 60-yard field goal to win a game. Or have three sacks, one forced fumble, four TFLs, and two passes defensed. All in winning games, of course. Love the count. There's only one answer here. It's pass for four touchdowns. Okay. Yards. <laughs> That's what I was leaning on. I'm going to presume that the quarterback, if you're being the quarterback for one game gets paid more than the other positions because of the premium on the position. Classic I'm taking the four base. touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> it also doesn't. You're the guy that they lead Sports Center off with. Yeah. You're the guy. You, you will be famous forever. Yep. For one game, it's sort especially of like, if you only ever one. played one game and you had that game. Yep. It's like Doug Williams <laughs> yeah. in Super Bowl 22. He played the yep. single greatest game or quarter that. Uh, 
you know, some in a big game that anyone's ever had. He wasn't. He was a little bit above average the rest of his career, but for that moment on that stage, at the most prominent position, he was the alpha. He'll always have that. From Albino Reno. Fellas, do you think that Vic is leaving his coaches here to do more study on those who are either not at the combine or are undervalued? The only thing that makes sense to me is that Vic and John can do the scouting on the players who are already on their board and see the top prospects. But having Shermer and Munchak comb through those who would be undrafted where the Broncos hit constantly and identify the best middle-of-the-pack players, um, does that would that make sense to you guys? Well, those guys, the undrafted in particular, say, for example – Chris Harris Jr., Malik Reed, those are those are scout plays. Those are uh, that's not coming from out, out of coaching. Those com- are coming from out of the scouts, the scouting room. And don't forget, you've got what three hundred and fifty plus players are going to be at the combine, yep. and there are two hundred and fifty six draft picks, and not all those draft picks are going to be players who are at the combine. So inevitably, you've got 100-plus undrafted guys who are going to be floating around Indianapolis. And Albino Reno, you're giving too much credit to Vic and John. They're not going to be exclusively doing the scouting on the first, second, and third round guys. I mean, they have an input and the biggest input, but there are so many more people that scout those guys too. Yeah, I mean, it's just... um, Also, again, if you've constantly hit on undrafted players why would you change your formula (laughs) it's fair um he says also how much time is wasted during the combine with resets and moving things around wouldn't it be more time efficient for them to see the throws and plays like that and like not waste hours waiting around just thinking if you really divide the focus into tiers and Vic and John take tier one through three starter prospects and the rest get delegated to your other coaches to work the lesser names, maybe you find more diamonds in the rough. Who knows? Maybe pick out a few players who you get as undrafted guys because all these other coaches had t- more time to watch their film. Thoughts? I mean, it, it's what I said yesterday. I think Vic is right in that I think there's more production and, and their coaches are more productive sitting in – uh, the the facility for 12 hours a day than they are at the combine, but you lose other things as well. But I think, yes, what you're saying, I think there is more production just sitting in the office all day. But at the same time, let's, yeah, let's look at the workouts, though, for a second. John, and we, John Elway talks about how he gets something from watching the players in person because he can see how they interact with teammates on the sideline, how they warm up, etc. Well, you can get something similar from going to the combine as well, the workout part of it and being there in person and seeing how they get ready for their workouts because essentially this is something that in terms of importance to their football lives, it's maybe more as important than if not more important than any game they've played. So maybe you say, okay, uh, running backs coach, you're going to kind of watch uh, these guys and what they do pre, you know, pre-workout, and uh, maybe you see something you like and maybe you see something you didn't. Again, it's just all part of having more data, more information. The more you have, the better. I'll say this. There, there, are po- there is potential upside in this plan. But if the Broncos end up having a weak draft class, I know where I'm pointing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that changed – Right. It, it's it's a little risky, that's for sure. From 940 Bronco, I didn't realize there were so many different styles of pizza. And as a full-on lover of any pizza, it now makes me curious to take a pilgrimage to a bunch of different cities to see what's up. It'll be hard to top a Colorado mountain pie or deep dish pizza. If you like deep dish, there's a place here in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Savastano's. And it is incredible. 
I wanted to chime in regarding the XFL. Do you think that any current player who may be on downtrend could have anything to gain by essentially ditching the NFL and moving to the XFL, provided the XFL is a success throughout its first season? And if so, what would that be? No. no. I mean, the, the way it sits right now, and I'm thinking of this financially, especially if it's a guy on the downward trend, what do XFL players make? $50,000? Quarterbacks can make more. Quarterbacks are going to be on a different uh, part of the scale. But most players are in the $52,000 range. And if you're in the NFL, you're at least at the half a million dollar range. Well, if you're on a roster, I think maybe what you're talking about, though, is some of the players who aren't on the roster in season but are on the off-season roster where the money you're making is basically limited to a few hundred dollars a week once you start team-organized off-season work and you're paid for being in there. I think it ends up being uh, roughly about, what, $450 a week, plus they chip in for your hotel while you're in town. Right. And your, and your food and all that sort of thing. So that's, I think that's sort of what may be kind of referenced here. And in that regard, I would say this. If you're, let's say you are three years out of school. You haven't stuck with an NFL team, but you're going into an off season and you have a chance to make say $70,000 in the XFL play and start or sign a contract to be on a team's off season roster. That's where I may think that the XFL and getting out there and actually playing would benefit you. And then if you have a good season, you can still go to an NFL team and get a shot. Right. Right. But it's going to be tough for a guy that's been in right. the NFL and, and played. And if you've played in the NFL in the regular season, at least somewhat consistently, no, it's not the move. It would only be the right move if you'd been in camps for a couple of years, had not stuck on a roster, had not gotten any playing time, and you were looking at the same sort of situation, competing for the back for, to be on the back end of a roster, or you had a chance to go to the XFL. In that case, I would say probably go to the XFL and play. 940 Bronco chimed in again, said, I'm planning on going to the next Dallas Renegades home game, and I will happily report back to talk about how the environment was because seeing things on TV like the empty bear can snake in D.C. or a guy dancing with broccoli in, I believe it was Seattle. If you haven't seen these, look them up. They are hilarious, and I think that could be a great draw to the XFL and not the horrendous quarterback play. They could help those quarterbacks along with some uh, changes schematically that uh, bring it to more of a college style and are better reflective of the of the players that they have. Nine nine forty Bronco abusing his powers here <laughs> with another comment. Well, he just has one, <laughs> one thousand word comment. He's just going to do it all in multiple ones. Oh, which actually will bring me to another part of text <laughs> etiquette. But he says when it comes to tap backs, I'm on RK side because I had an ex girlfriend who would write K whenever something was wrong and it was matting. It's half the time I did not know it was wrong or what I did wrong, and I haven't had anyone to really do that to me since. It's impossible to advance the conversation or even figure out what to say after you receive something like that. Couldn't agree more. Texting without certain punctuation being used can lead to many understandings between you and whoever you're talking to. And that leads me to another thing about what you're doing right here, which is someone who sends multiple texts to say one thing. Like, hey, send. Do you know what you're doing tonight? Send. I have a thing that I thought you might want to come to. Send. Are you interested? Send. Now my phone just buzzed five times for one message. And I... I do this, but not 
to that extent. If it's one thing, I, I put it all together. Uh, but sometimes I, I send a lot of texts, but sometimes I know you th- that you don't like that. So I really try to consolidate. Well, sometimes you, you think of something right after and you, or, or you mistype. I had one this season where I kind of guess, or this weekend, pardon me, where I guess mistyped and I realized, okay, I got to send another one here because that did not make a lick of sense uh, whatsoever. So sorry about that. But there is something to be said for the texts that are too long. Um, the former general manager of the Braves, John Coppolevel, who got suspended and basically kicked out of baseball, one of the things that came out when MLB punished him was that he would send these insanely long text messages, like 1,500 words. Oh, wow. He's basically sending emails, long ones at that, as texts. What would wow. you think if you got a 1,500-word text message? I would put You'd it say in this, my... You'd say this person's insane, right? Yeah, I'd put it in my email. Yeah, transferred over to my email. And speaking of, I'm taking this one. <laughs> See, I have a, I have a friend who does long. that to me, by the way, who All sends right. me 1,500 word oh, text wow. messages. I'm like, oh, and they're still your friend. Goodness, that's <laughs> yeah. impressive, Mace. From Flamunda Cheese, I'm putting my foot down on this one. It's simply too long, so I'm going to <laughs> skip through a few things here because there are some cool stuff in this comment. We appreciate that. But we have to draw the line somewhere, and it is definitely somewhere in this comment. 963 words. Yeah, that's, that's too much, my guy. I love you. But anyways, he says, fellas, quality work on the pod while I was gone. I'm still catching up on all the pods I missed while down in Antarctica. So this may take a minute. Sorry. And yes, I introduced the BBC crew to the DNVR podcast, uh, as well as a rudimentary lesson on Beavis and Butthead. They didn't get it. What can I say? They're Brits. I think Beavis and Butthead was a little too lowbrow for them. I cultivated some new Broncos fans in the process, though. Most notably, I was luckily I was lucky enough to meet the great David Effing Attenborough, and when he came mm. down to film for a few days, we hit it off. Long story short, I gave him my DNVR diehard shirt in exchange for a behind-the-scenes look at the BBC if the Broncos play in London. He agreed and would love to quote catch a match with us sometime. That is so freaking cool. That is amazing. I'm skeptical. He's, yeah, he's skeptical. I'm feeling a little skeptical. <laughs> I need a picture. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful as well. I, I'm I'm hopeful because that would that be an all time moment for me. Do you think we'll see David Attenborough wearing a DNVR shirt in London? Yeah. If we do, I will be blown away. <laughs> then he says lots of, of other pride. things, <laughs> but I'm skipping a, a forward to. Uh, Point number four, where he says, I have to admit I messed up my last punctuation comment. I'll probably get slammed for it. Anyway, that joke uh, is why it's important to capitalize proper nouns. Helping Uncle Jack and helping Uncle Jack helping Uncle Jack mean two different things. Our punctuation lesson today is more straightforward. If you don't think punctuation is important, <laughs> try forgetting the comma when telling someone, I'm sorry, I love you. Or else it'll come out as, I'm sorry, I love you. <laughs> five if the xfl comes to denver will we ha- we will have to name the team the humpback chubs right <laughs> that'd be pretty good yeah, that's number three behind gold and dynamite why dynamite old school arena football team that was in denver denver dynamite yeah it's got the alliteration going for it the problem is it's explosive it causes damage i mean i'd say that's kind of awesome but i i, I think so too is it colorado humpback chubs it was going to be the Grand, Grand Junction, Junction. But, but humpback it, chubs as what as people wanted over for the Rockies rookie league team, and then of course anytime it came up, they started blocking people. The Grand right. Junction Rockies 
blocked me when I made a, a Chubbs Peterson reference in regard in regards to them. <laughs> Sadly, it, I don't know how much longer the Grand Junction Rockies are going to be with us. That's oh. yeah. That's that's, a, that's another story bubbling through below the surface of of baseball right now that is really bothersome. And I wanted to mention, speaking of cheating in baseball, we had a fantastic episode of the Denver Sports Podcast yesterday. A lot of controversial topics were discussed, and it created some really good nuanced conversations on all these things, so I highly recommend checking that one out. There were arguments, and there were dissent, and there was a lot of good stuff, so check that out. What a juicy tease. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and then he finally says, that's it for now, fouls. I think I have the long comments out of my system. I'll ask more relevant <laughs> questions next time. Well, Although we love he you, did, Flamanda yeah. Cheese. He did say that I need, in one of the com- parts of this comment, that I needed to uh, do a Beavis impression or quote Star Wars in a Beavis v- voice whenever I said, Beatish or Carolina. I'm <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I think next week you have to ask Beatish a question in that voice. No, I'm not doing that. Could you imagine <laughs> someone doing that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Maybe it could be my shtick. I just start asking yes. questions in a Beavis voice. <laughs> at least at national events. You couldn't do it every day at Broncos. So it being like, right, the, so like like that reporter guy, in, like that 1920s reporter guy from, I think, the ticket yeah. down in Dallas. Champ, champ. <laughs> You were the real bee's knees out there tonight. <laughs> well, they were doing the Charleston, and you were doing the Triple Indy. <laughs> or in, in, in the he little... did it to Peyton, and Peyton just said something like, "Who is this guy?" or something like that. <laughs> I was gonna say in the little side that side off uh, conference or talk that we get with John Elway, you ask a question normally, and then you mm-hmm. come in with a follow up in that <laughs> voice. All right, Mace, give me. Uh, you're asking Tyler Biotish if he's spoken with the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I am Cornelio and Tyler. Have you spoken with the Broncos here at the combine? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye Bronco comes in and says, Well, you got me. Long time freeloader, but finally committed. I work awesome. overnights driving, and listening to your excellent coverage of everything Broncos has kept me out of the ditch on several occasions. Thank God. My first question is something I have pondered for a while. Going back to the final game of the 2006 season, all the Broncos needed was to beat a terrible San Francisco team, and they were in the playoffs. However, I believe they lost in overtime. Had Denver won that game and Shanahan had another playoff run, would that have brought bought him at least one more season as a coach? Could we be in an alternate reality where Jay Cutler leads this team for a decade of good football? What's one game in Broncos history where if the outcome were flipped, you could see a drastically different franchise? That game, first of all, and it's something that I hate to bring up, but it does come up from now every now and again. If they win that game, there's a good chance Darren Williams is still with us. Ugh. Yeah. Because those guys are probably not out as long because they've got a playoff game coming up in six or seven days. So you start there. I don't know that it would have saved Shanahan if the two seasons that followed were exactly the same. Because I think that playoff appearance, it would have almost certainly been one and done. So would that Yeah, but you can definitely live in a reality where Jay Cutler goes off and all of a sudden, you know, they're... But Cutler was so maddeningly inconsistent at that point. It's more likely going on the road. It would have been either. I'd have to look back at the tiebreakers and see. It would have been either at New England or at Indianapolis that the Broncos would have been 
stomped yeah. like at grapes. Indianapolis against Peyton Manning or at New England against Tom Brady. Oh boy, yeah. So they did the at Indianapolis a couple of times and uh, that didn't work well. That was so <laughs> weird. I've never had so little hope going into games as yeah. then at Indianapolis. Yep. In the play, P- playing Peyton Manning. Was the worst thing. <laughs> the second <laughs> time it happened. The first time it happened. Remember, the Broncos had beaten the Colts in Indy two weeks earlier but in the wasn't regular it season. Snowing when they beat them. No, no, no. I'm talking about in 2003. They play at Indianapolis in Week 16. They beat the Colts. Quentin Griffin goes off because Clint Portis is hurt. Clinch a playoff spot. Two weeks later, based on that, thought, okay, this might be a good day for the Broncos, and they get walloped and then it was the next year they go back to indianapolis the game you mentioned where it was snowing um i think it was a 2002 game in denver uh on sunday night football they lose on the vanderjet field goal yeah in on in january of 2005 they beat the colts to clinch a playoff spot but the colts they they start peyton manning and then they rest him after like a possession or two because they've already locked in their playoff spot and they know if the Broncos win, they're playing him next week. So the Broncos hammer the Colts who are playing in second gear, but then they have to go to Indianapolis and play them next week. And that was the game where I had no hope whatsoever going into it because the previous year they've been throttled and then the same thing happened again. That was the Rock Alexander game. Sorry to give you a a bad flashback if uh, you remember him from that game, but Peyton Manning just picked at the undrafted rookie, Rock Alexander, and it was a long day for them. The one you mentioned in 2003, would that have been around a holiday, that game? Uh, the, the game in Indianapolis that they won? Yeah. It was right before Christmas. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I knew it. Uh, I was at a Christmas party at a family friend's house, and I was the only person, 2003, I'm 11 years old. I'm the only person at the entire party who wants to watch the game. Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. Mm-hmm. And this so, is a party in, Den- in the Denver area, it was in Colorado. In vale, but okay, but you're in Colorado. In Colorado. I'm the only person at the party who is interested in watching the game. So I asked my mom. My mom actually was too, but she, you know, she's having to do the whole like song and dance of being at the party. Um, so I asked my mom, like, hey, is there anywhere where I can watch this game? And she gets me set up like in like the guest room of the house. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the game. I stay in there obviously the entire night, the entire party watching the game. And I very distinctly remember the host of the party going up to my mom. My mom told me this later. The host of the party went up to my mom and was like, "Hey, like I think you maybe need to take Ryan to some counseling. It seems like he has um, social issues because I didn't want to come out of the room because I was watching the effing Broncos game." And my mom was pissed that he said that. So yeah, that was that was you that. And do whatever you have to to watch the Broncos. I just it was so weird. Like no one else. Like my mom would come up, you know, every once in a while to check on the score and stuff, yep. but. No one else cared. No one there. Wow. Wow. Hopefully you're not friends with any of those people anymore. Interestingly, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Next one coming in from Super Bowling. A couple of weeks ago, it was discussed if Chris Harris Jr. would be in the Hall of Fame one day. The consensus was probably not, but it wasn't because of a lack of skill. It was a lack of publicity. I started to think, listening to yesterday's pod, that what if Chris does end up going to Casey and he wins another ring or two? I'm pretty sure that would be more than enough to get him in. It would be god-awful for the Broncos, like worst-case scenario. 
But boy, talk about adding some spark to that rivalry. I think he's got to have a two or three Pro Bowls and another couple of All Pro nods. Uh, I agree. My two cents on the combine and coaches not going. Vic wants his guys. This is a great opportunity for him to find guys he wants with no distractions from other coaches. Sure, it's a double-edged sword, but you got to at least think that Vic has thought long and hard how he how he would do things as head coach when given the opportunity. This doesn't seem like a knee-jerk decision. Last, we have identified wide receiver as a need. What are your thoughts about bringing in one of these guys? Randall Cobb, Tavon Austin, Travis Benjamin, Ted Ginn Jr., Nelson Aguilar, and Brashard Perriman. Gives us a boost at slot and deep threat. If you had to choose, who would you choose if you had to choose one? Uh, Randall Cobb. Yeah. Uh, actually, I would go Nelson Aguilar. I'm thinking, who can I get on a one-year deal who brings some leadership and authority to that room, but who you can easily move on from Perriman's going to be if you really hit. expensive, that's, right? That's who I was going to say. But he's going to be really expensive, isn't he? Yeah, and he you have to ask yourself. He's the best. What here, he probably. did late in the season for Tampa Bay, is it a mirage or is it the real deal? Yep. I'm a little bit distracted right now because as I look out the window of my apartment, I've seen multiple news uh, cars drive by and multiple cop cars. Oh, on the highway? No, in In the parking lot. In the parking lot. Wow. News cars. Two news cars, two cop cars. Cop cars with lights on? No. Wow. This is juicy. I know. We'll update later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, From Flamunda Cheese. Wow. (laughs) Fellas, I just realized my boys and I from Head for the Hills got the shaft on the last episode. I got to try again to dedicate I am the problem to the one and only 72. Yeah, someone remind me to put that at the end of the uh, and the end of the podcast. Oh, yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. We'll do that right after. RD Dollywall says someone on Twitter ask at Chris Evans and at Mark Hamlin. Hamill. Ham- oh, Mark Ham- Hamill. He plays Hamill. Luke Skywalker. Right. Could a lightsaber cut through Captain America's shield? What do you boys say? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say no. That shield indestructible. I've lightsaber has has been able to cut through some like, you know, basically some some thick doors, a lot of metal, that sort of thing. I'm going to say the lightsaber could but cut through the shield. Doesn't the shield have like magical powers? I thought so. Light, yeah. The lightsaber is just like a very destructive sword. It doesn't have any magical powers other than being just destructive. But it's basically like a phaser blast. Can can Captain America's shield like deflect like laser blasts? <laughs> That's the thing, because basically a lightsaber is kind of it's kind of a concentrated laser. Yeah, right. It's a laser beam. So that's why I'm going to say the lightsaber can cut through it. I'm going to say that when they designed Captain America's shield, they just said nothing can go through this, and that included everything. That, that even what laser blasts? This sounds like a conversation you have after hitting up the green solution. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, El Bronco Gordo. As a Colorado native transplanted in southern Arizona, I missed the daily coverage of our beloved Broncos. So y'all have been a godsend, and after listening for a few weeks, I finally signed up. We got him. Go me, he says. RK, you say keto has worked well for you. Can you recommend any good online keto references? I'm looking to change my name from El Bronco Gordo to El Bronco <laughs> Flaco. Flaco as in Spanish for skinny, not the trash QB. Anyway, glad to be a part of the DNVR family. 
Keep up the good work. Thank you, El Bronco Gordo. Appreciate it. The best one I would say, and I'm here's here's the thing about me with diets. I want to be able to be lazy in the diet. Now, being on keto itself is not it takes a lot of effort. But for me, I've just like I know what I can eat. I don't want to have to like go through all these steps to try and make some like extravagant meal. I'm just like, oh, for lunch I can have turkey and cheese. Cool. That's what I'm having every single day. Um and so I haven't done a ton, but the one place that I really crushed when I was starting keto was Reddit, just Reddit, the subreddit keto, r keto or r slash keto. Um, there's like a whole guide to getting started on there. Just what, what to look for, what to watch out for that sort of thing. That really helped me when I was getting started now. I'm just like, okay, so for breakfast, I have a protein shake for lunch. I have turkey and cheese and for dinner, I have a protein and a vegetable. Right. Yep. And for me, I'm more like some people like, oh, there goes the cop car. Uh, some people <laughs> like um, to be on a diet with a lot of flexibility. I just don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to be like, okay, what am I going to have tonight? Like, so, Easy on the mind. Yeah, I, like, I can be repetitive, especially for breakfast and lunch. I can be very repetitive. I agree. So th- thanks for hopping on with us, El Bronco Gordo. Next one from Jack Double Magnum. Hypothetically, if the Broncos trade for Stefan Diggs and give up their second or a combination of later picks, do you think that would assure Denver passes on a wide receiver in the first, even if one of Judy Lambs or Ruggs are there at 15? I'm assuming in this scenario there was a run on offensive tackles and the top-tier talent is off the board. I would say it's highly unlikely. That they go wide receiver? If you've already given up a lot of resources for a wide receiver, but tackles are off the board. You knew you loved Judy before you before you got digs. You never thought he would be there. And then I could see a scenario where they say, you know, whatever, let's just do it. There was a mock draft I saw for the Broncos that I hated. Uh, Mel Kiper Jr. yesterday had Houston offensive tackle Josh Jones going at 15 of the Broncos. Too high. Way too high. If that's a scenario, if you, let's say you have traded your second-round pick for Stephon Diggs and you're thinking Josh Jones is the guy, I'm trying to move down 10 picks and pick up and get that second-rounder back yeah. some way in a trade. Um, I, I think that for the Broncos, this would take wide receiver in the first off the board. I personally would keep it open. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be a priority anymore, but I'd keep it open. But I think the Broncos, they'd take him off the board. Manhattan Beach Bronco says, hey guys, first off, wanted to thank y'all for providing us listeners with such a large amount of content. I was able to catch up on 10 or so episodes while flying to and from Japan last week, as well as while I was on the bullet train. That's so cool. I took some time to do the math, and my total travel totaled somewhere around 30 hours. I cannot thank Ryan, Zach, Mace, Andre, and Henry, as well as the DNVR family for keeping me so entertained during my travels across the globe. Thank you for the very kind words. Appreciate it. Cue Indiana Jones-style airplane and map cutscene. (laughs) (laughs) Little known fact about Japan. If you head into the mountains northwest of Tokyo, close your eyes and listen real hard you can still hear the uh, reverberations thank you of Terrell Davis's massive hit on Tyrone Drakeford at the 1995 preseason game at the Tokyo Dome I've heard that too are those also the mountains uh, in Japan that are like famous for being um, a place where people go to off themselves to die I'm not sure about that I hadn't heard that yeah I don't know yeah there's like a a forest is that in china i think it's in japan okay but maybe, i don't know but i only know about it sadly enough 
because Logan Paul, do you know who that is? Uh, YouTuber? Yes. He, like, went there into that forest and was, like, making jokes about it oh with, like, gosh. dead people all around him. I think someone it was a big suicide deal. in the background or something. Or yeah, something. It. Yeah, like, it was way, 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 way over the line. It was. Way over the line. It was. And that's that's how I found out about it. But yeah. I, I want to say it was in Japan. Okay. Okay. I'm sure one of our listeners knows. He goes on and says, Jokes aside, I have one serious question that in my mind settles the debate surrounding Fangio's choice to go to the Combine alone. Let's say you were given on, you were only given the choice of either getting to meet the players and not being able to watch their tape, or you were not able to meet them but get full access of all of their tape. Which would you pick? I would go for the latter one. Much love. I would go for the latter as well, but why should you have to choose between the two? And you don't have to choose yeah, between exactly. the two. Yeah, exactly. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can have, in the parlance of Vic Fangio, all the pasta and all the meatballs. Just not if you're on keto. <laughs> just, just <laughs> Maybe the, the Broncos meatballs. are on keto when they're doing this. And they're just having the meatballs. I'm decide- I-, I haven't decided yet, but I think I'm not going to be on keto this year in uh, Indianapolis. Mm. Wise choice. And then you can have the sandwich that you don't really like. <laughs> Give it a chance at least. <laughs> Maybe I can get one that's like has some sauce on it or something. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with just adding sauce right. to anything. Yeah, last time I think I ate it with, like, I had to eat it with, like, Frank's, and it didn't really match up with what I was mm, having. Right, no, that doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, so, I don't know, maybe maybe there's, like, some cheese Whiz. Mm. <laughs> you make me have a cheesesteak today for lunch with cheese Whiz. Yeah. Anyway. Or cheese, as they call it. <laughs> whiz. <laughs> Or I like the, but I like Will Parks calling it cheese. <laughs> I may, I, I may have cheese. to, I may have to reach out to Will to talk some cheesesteaks before he, uh, unfortunately, likely moves on. I would think in free agency. Sadly, yeah, I, I, I love that dude. He's a good guy. Oh, he he's is. awesome. He's as good as you'll find in that locker room. Count Locula chiming in again. Mace, for some reason, I can't remember who scored the first two-point conversion for the Broncos and how it went down. Help me, please. Father Time is quickly claiming victory over my memory. Love the count. Is this ever? Uh, back in 1994 when the NFL established two-point conversions, I believe it was Shannon Sharp on a pass from John Elway against the Rams. Who are those guys? <laughs> yeah, a couple of obscure guys from Bronco history, right? <laughs> I didn't realize that I was older than the two-point conversion. Wow. Congratulations to us. Isn't it hard to believe that the NFL functioned without a two-point conversion for so long? I mean, it makes no sense not to have it. Every other level of football had the two-point conversion. It's kind of like the NBA not having a three-point line. That's exactly what I was thinking. But it's the like NBA so did it before college did it. Uh, the NBA brought in the three-point line in 79-80. It took until 86-87 for the college game to have a three-point line. I love the um, the studies that people have tried to do on like how many three-pointers Pete Maravich would have hit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because he was just pulling up from anywhere. Yep. It's awesome. Um as great as Pistol gonna... Pete was, he would have been he would have been a two or three time MVP if the three pointer had been around yeah. back in the seventies, don't you say? Even with the injuries he dealt with? Probably. Yeah. Um What was I gonna say? Oh, uh are we gonna one day look back and be like like our our, our Zach and I's kids gonna be like, wait, there was a time where there was no three point conversion in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, no, NFL it's... Europe tried a four point field goal for a little bit. 
I on honestly long would hate goals. this. Just it would it would rewrite everything we know about how the how the end of games are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, eleven points, uh, or sorry, all of a sudden, nine points is a one score game, or no? Yeah, it is. Yeah, like that. It just it would everyone would have to relearn the strategies and. Well, and in terms of a seventeen game season as well. I personally wouldn't like that from like the stats. Like then, uh, then Peyton Manning's records would not necessarily easily be broken, but they would be broken with some ease. And and then going back and telling kids, no, 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 like what he did was incredible back then. When there's a 24 game season and it looks like nothing, right. then. they're like, what do you mean, <laughs> Johnny McDonald's <laughs> threw for 78 touchdowns well, this right. year? Well, let's kind of take this in theory. The two point. Oh, what was the name of the guy in? Um, um, what's back the, in time, idiot, idiocracy. What's the name of the? Not sure. No, Joe Bowers. <sighs> Who someone, ends up... someone used it against us when they were saying when we yeah. had the Emmanuel yeah. Sanders argument where we yeah. said he would be the best. It was a meat thing, wasn't it? Kind of. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Braun, not no. I'll not. look it up. I'll look it up. Rondo's we... got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. Yeah. <laughs> But um, think about this. The the one-point conversion, as it were, in the XFL, it's at the, what, the two-yard line, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the two-point conversion at the five, and then it's three points from the ten. So you've doubled it going you've, – you've added a point by doubling the yardage going from the five to the ten. So what if, if you took this to its natural con- conclusion, you'd have a four-point conversion from the 20. <laughs> you'd have – a five-point conversion from the 40, and then you'd have a six-point conversion from your own 20-yard line. They should do that. So they you just, do that. You'd, you'd never be out of any game. No. I would hate that. So you could be down by 12, and you could say, man, if we can get a touchdown and pull and off an 80-yard touchdown <laughs> on this or 80-yard play on this six-point conversion, we can tie this thing. So you're telling your kid, no, Peyton Manning had an incredible season, and he's like, but, Dad, Beef Supreme threw for 78 <laughs> That's it. <laughs> beef Supreme. <laughs> Love it. Oh. Iceman checks in and says, hey, friends, I appreciate the info on Juwan. RK, but I'm not pleased to hear that he has always been hurt. It makes it sound like they should have signed him like Phillip as a UDFA, right? If we do get the Denver gold again, I would love Timmy Richard Tebow back in town, but he will stay in the minors, it seems. Please don't slay me, boys. John did not trade for him in 2019. Why would he want him now? Go Broncos, Andrew, Juwan, and Timmy. Who? (laughs) John didn't trade for who? Tim Tebow? (laughs) Darius Slay, because oh, please don't oh, slay, slay me again. Me. Oh, and nice ice man. I think Why would it you was want him now because I, he yeah. Well, needs I think a corner. It, I think it was Mike Cliss who said that the Lions were the ones who came to the Broncos proposing Slay last season, not vice versa. And that's a key distinction to note here. Um, as for Tebow, he'll stay in the minors for this year. I think if he has another season like he had last year at AAA, it's going to basically be kind of the end of his development. And that's why I think, hmm, he Denver Gold 2021 XFL would make sense. He didn't if, shut down the XFL at all in that quote. He mm-hmm. basically just said, I'm doing baseball kind of in the, like, right now. They, they, it sounds to me like he's giving baseball one more year. And look, if he struggles at AAA again, like he did last year, that's going to be it. The thing is, he you doesn't guys, even need to be good in the XFL. You guys want to see a huge pet peeve for me? On TV, they're showing these Saints jerseys. 
Look at the difference of the gold on their jersey versus the gold on their okay, helmet. Okay, I have an explanation for that, okay? That gold, that kind of darker gold that they have on their color rush uniform, uh-huh. which is white on white, it's designed to mimic the gold that they had back in the 1960s. It's not because okay. one reason why, you know how the Saints wear black on black often? Yes, it's awesome. Do you know why? No. It's because they've struggled to get the gold on the pants in the fabric to match the gold on the helmets, Buffs and that's the why problem. they settled on black on black as a primary look. It's not a settle. It's way better. Yeah, but that, but yeah, it's designed to mimic the uniforms of or come close to them of 1967, the colors they had on the uniform then. And even back then, RK, the gold on the numbers didn't match the gold on the helmets for the Saints back in 1967. So they always had this issue. 2020. Make the gold match. If you're you if you want to honor the old gold, I'm sorry, you can't because you can only have one helmet. You got to make that gold match the one on your helmet. But they can't do two helmet shells. Remember? That's what I'm saying. So you just don't get to do that. Like you just have to change the shade of gold for this uniform. I know it's you sad can't. because the Saints have a really popping uniform. I mean, you Sunday. have like the lightest possible gold going up against the darkest possible gold. It is you do. It, it's two different colors. Mm-hmm. All right, next one's from Larry Dunn Jr., our guy. Hey, guys, in the light of all the buzz about Chris possibly leaving, I wanted to say this. Dear Chris, you're my second favorite Bronco of all time, but Champ is number one. You, sir, are number two, and I've loved the Broncos since the mile-high salute, but you two are top two, and it's not close. But I hope you understand that us as Broncos fans want you to be happy and get what you deserve, but not as the expense of the team, Chris. You're becoming impossible. I know you felt underpaid, but your contract was really good when you got it, and I know you compare your contract to other corners, but not many corners or heck any other players in general – other than quarterbacks, play the entirety of their contract past guarantees and get a bonus on the last year on top of that. Chris, I understand you got to do what's best for you and your family, but Elway has to do what's best for the team, bro. You want to be used like you were before. You want to make sure there's good corners. Oh, and you want to be the highest paid corner, and you wonder why the phones aren't ringing, bro? You're forcing their hand just when things are starting to turn around. Sincerely, a frustrated fan of yours. Sorry that was kind of random and not the norm, but honestly, I just can't take any more of the Chris Harris headlines. I'm a huge advocate for players getting their money, and I almost always am on the player's side, but Chris is starting to really be ungrateful and unreasonable, and I don't want to start looking at him like I do Emmanuel. I love Emmanuel, but dislike how he left the team. I love Chris. He's a ring of famer. Do good business, bro. Don't shade the organization that paid you, gave you a bonus, got you a ring, and took a chance on you. It's unnecessary. I love the passion that Larry brings, whether we agree with him or not. I agree I just with him love, on this one. I, I just love what Larry brings to every comment he provides us. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Here's what we can't forget. The Broncos gave Chris Harris $3 million last year. Like, I mean, that should have gone to charity. Goodwill. It was basically it the... Should have gone to Goodwill. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was basically the, okay, Chris, here's $3 million. Will you show up and shut up? That's what that was. That makes me sick. <laughs> uh, and you're right. And it worked. $3 million to come to camp. There to, are to enti- mini camp. On top there, of his other or salary. Or to, to OTAs. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. There are entire departments that could be more than well-funded within the Bronco organization on $3 million. Uh, yeah. Have far more I than enough. I would hope so. Companies yes. could be run off that. Yes. Yeah. You're not wrong. That's... That's life. Oh, my God. So, I mean, the Broncos have treated Chris well. And when, when they mm. signed Chris to that, that last deal... I know it turned out to seem like it was a bargain. But wasn't he the, the highest-paid number two cornerback when they gave him that? Yeah, and don't forget the reason why there was some motivation on both sides for that deal. Chris's side, remember, 
he, when he signed that contract, was 11 months removed from a torn ACL. Hmm. And I think that the Broncos, that was part of the philosophy that, okay, he's had, you know, he's kind of had that moment where he saw his career mortality flash in front of his eyes, that he'll make the deal. And you can't blame Chris for taking that contract after he'd had a potential career-altering injury they'd overcome. No, but it's just important to remember the Broncos have not treated Chris poorly at all. All right, from Super Bowl and RK, how much do I need to pay you to teach my lovely girlfriend text etiquette? <laughs> She's my best friend, and I love her dearly. But dear God, the amount of times I need to call and clarify her tone is unreal. I think she's used an emoji once and almost never uses exclamation points. Oh, wow. While I'm at it, how much do I need to pay one of you guys to teach me the mysterious rules of the comma? It's eluded me my whole life. To compensate, I've started using dashes in work emails. <laughs> whole <laughs> life, by the way, spelled without the W. <laughs> Why are you going to call him out like that? Sorry. I, I, well, I just saw that. I was like, oh, man. Um, we got some work to do. <laughs> got to admit, big fan of the M dash. When in yes. doubt, just use the M dash. But not in texts, right? Uh, no. If I, have my com- I text from my computer like 80% of the time. So yeah. if I'm in my computer, I will. But I, yeah, so not from for, my That's phone. so formal of you. I had a bad comma habit when I was younger, and it was an editor of mine that got me in the practice of using the the dash, the the M dash. Yeah, I mean it's it's a nice way to break up from being like comma 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 comma, you know, um, comma 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 chameleon. <laughs> uh, don't be a comma chameleon. Um, oh, <laughs> um, I wish I'd thought of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to say that, and I'm going to have to credit you for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I um, I salute you. Thank you, Mace. Um, I don't know what to what to tell you about the karma. Super Bowl, and I know, I know I'm not RK, but what I would do is just go over the top with whatever you want your girlfriend to do, and maybe she'll meet you in the middle. I will say this. I... So when I text from my computer, I also use proper punctuation, periods, etc. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend hated it, but like I, I just had to tell her like I ha- I I can't like I want to be in the habit of the way I type when I'm on my computer. So now she gets it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you, you, I I definitely go over the top with my hate of K. Like I tell like I tell everyone like how much I hate K. What about OK? That's fine. Okay. I mean, I would prefer a... But two letters, O and K, not O-K-A-Y. If it's like, um, hey, I'm going to be out tonight, and you say, like, they just say, okay, then that's... Rude? You're just going to question a little bit, like, are you sure it's okay? You know, like, you're hoping for, like, okay, have fun, exclamation point. Right. Then you're feeling better about (laughs) this. Yeah. But if it's like... Hey, just so you know, I'm running to the store real quick. I'll be back in 30 minutes. And they say, okay, then you're, it's right, good. Right, right, right. Um, when I met my girlfriend, she, you know, every text message would be like, ha, 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 LOL, LOL, five exclamation marks. And I didn't do any of that. Now I definitely do that because of her. Mm. I go over the oh. top. Smart. <laughs> better, better to uh, over-deliver. Right. As they say, under-promise and over-deliver. Dan Burke, first of all, I need to call out Mr. Zach Stevens for that Jason Witten tweet. What were you thinking, Zach? <laughs> well, uh, reports are that Jason Witten wants to play again, and it may not be for the Cowboys, so I just simply said, 
Noah Fant and Jason Witten, sign me up. What is it about guys who are going to the Hall of Fame but are way past their prime that makes you embrace them becoming Denver Broncos? Well, Mace, how does this sound? 63 catches for 529 yards from a tight end position. For me. Sounds like I want a little more explosiveness on a per-catch basis. Really? Okay, so this is this is a team where Noah Fant had a great year last year. There's no denying that. He's only going to continue to be better. When was the last time we've talked about a tight end that had 63 catches and 529 yards? And yeah, 8.4 yards per catch, but I don't care about that. He's a safety valve. And- I. It's funny. I get why everyone got after you for the old quarterbacks. This is such a low-risk proposition that I love it. That's the thing. I'm, I'm not going out there and signing him for one year or two years, $25 million. No, of no, of no, course no. not. This is you cut Jeff Hireman, you save $4 million, then you maybe spend an additional million dollars on Jason Witten, okay. spend an additional $2 million, one year, $6 million. It's not like you're giving him trash, uh, but, but then he's your second option. But if you're Jason Witten, why would you uproot everybody for $5 million over one year? Because I think that would be a fair offer. I'm just not sure he'd come to a team that has missed the playoffs for consecutive years, has three consecutive losing seasons for $5 million, when he's going to basically probably be your number two tight end. So is this team going to run a lot of two tight end sets? I don't know that's in the cards. Oh, I'm not saying that Jason Witten would do this, and I'm saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying from a Broncos perspective, what what, what did Greg Olson just get in Seattle? One year, $7 million? And he probably has maybe a little bit more. Such a good deal for the Seahawks. Yes. Oh, such a good deal. And, yeah, he may have more in, in the tank than Jason Witten, but you know what? If that's what it takes to get Jason Witten, it cost me $3 million. The Broncos are going to have $80 million. It cost me $3 million to do that because I kick Jeff Hireman to the curb and I give the additional $3 million to Jason Witten, $1 million, or one year $7 million. Not only would he be the best number two receiver option, how good would it be for Noah Fant to have him, or I'm sorry, not receiver option. He'd be the second best, or he'd be the best second tight end in the league. How good would it be for Noah Fant to develop behind him and you mentioned it, a safety net for Drew Locke. No offense, you're explosive guy. Then you get the compliment in Jason Witten. But does Jason Witten want to go to a place where he's tight end too? That's what I can't see. Like, Again, Greg, this isn't really about whether Jason Witten right. would do it or not. It's just about it sounds good yeah. in theory. Yeah, in theory. I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of too stuck with reality. I will say this for Greg Olson. <laughs> Shocking. I, I, I have to stay on brand, right? <laughs> I, love, I love the Greg Olson signing for Seattle because one of the interesting things is that Seattle – Carolina has been a low-key good interdivisional rivalry for the past several years, and I think mm-hmm. probably Seattle liked tweaking the, the Panthers a little bit. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did, and the, gosh, I, I do like that move for Seattle. The rest of Dan Burke's comment. Mace, can we talk about Malcolm Perry real quick? I'm 99.9% sure that Belichick is going to draft him with the Navy connection and turn him into the next Edelman, but I need the Broncos to take him before that can happen. Lamar was found shaking after he found after he saw some of his jukes. I love Malcolm <laughs> Perry. I I hope the Broncos use a day three pick on him. I doubt they will, but I think there's some. Now he mentioned Edelman. I think there's a little Taysom Hill potential with Malcolm Perry. I like Malcolm Perry. I just feel like the humor in his movies wasn't designed for me. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wait. That's Ron Perry. Sorry. Um. No, he, uh, he also is this Malcolm Perry. That that hey. Perry just translates so well. Hey. There's so many different roles. Tyler Perry played the uh, head of Starfleet Academy in the 2009 Star Trek movie. 
That's big time right there. And actually, I was at, when I saw it in the theater, there was a huge cheer that went up for the audience when Tyler Perry's face came on the screen. That's hilarious. It was, awesome. it was actually pretty awesome. No, Malcolm Perry is a baller. Yeah. Um, that Army-Navy game this year was one of the most awesome performances I've seen uh, in a college football game, period. And he's got enough of an arm to where if you ask him to throw the ball, he can do something. Again, I think he's – I think Taysom he's, Hill 2.0. Exactly. Is he potentially more explosive Taysom Hill? Yes. Yes. I think he could be a better receiver than Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I'm all about a day three pick on Malcolm Perry. If the Broncos did that, I think that would make me happier than any possible day three pick. Do you see it happening? No. No. But, no. yes, it would make me happier than taking my guy Braden Mann, the punter. That's Wait, so you're living in a hypothetical world. <laughs> now, we can't allow that, Mace. Uh, I'm living in the Mace as GM dream world uh, where I'm finding a way to get Malcolm Perry and Braden Mann on my team. <laughs> RK, I know it's unlikely, but how would you feel if Eric Bieniemy got the Buffs job? Are you confident in his ability to recruit? Being a Super Bowl winning OC might give him clout to recruit top level offensive players, which is exciting. The number one thing I would be confident in Eric Bieniemy, another cop car. Uh, would be his ability to recruit. I mean, yep. this is a guy who was a fantastic recruiter when he was in when he was a position coach at CU. Uh, he famously had Maurice Jones-Drew committed to Colorado before he took a pay raise at uh, UCLA, um, and there was a lot of stuff going on there at that time. But Maurice Jones, of course, went to UCLA, and when I saw MJD. At the Super Bowl last year, I was like, bro, how'd you do that to my buffs? And he was like, don't blame me. Blame me, B. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was a great recruiter. And now that he's, you know, been one of the best offensive or had one of the most successful tenures as an offensive coordinator, he worked with Patrick Mahomes. I mean. That sells itself. He would mm. be able to recruit. So that's what I would be most confident in. What I would be less confident in is just um, – He's got some anger stuff going on. Um, just from his last uh, stint as offensive coordinator, I know a lot of people left that time uh, rubbed the wrong way by the way he carried himself at the time. Just a lot of yelling and screaming, a lot of um, you know kids feeling like they were being targeted, that sort of stuff. That's an NFL approach. Um, a lot of those guys can handle it. It's a little different with 18-year-old kids. And... That was also a problem that came up. He recruited the number one running back in the country to see you and then essentially ran him out of town by uh, his name was Marcus and he called him Marquisha. <laughs> oh my gosh. So. Wow. That's, uh, you would hope that he matured a lot working with Andy Reid because Andy Reid is certainly not like that. Right. Another cop car. Oh God. Marcus should have uh, called him like Erica. Erica. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that was it was a uh, it was interesting. Well, I think that was well put, Ryan. They had to move mm -hmm. the offensive coordinator. No, sorry, they had to move the radio booth from being right next to the offensive coordinator's booth when he was there the last time because he was cursing so much and it was being picked up on their <laughs> microphones. <laughs> that is wild. Next one coming in from Jedi Joshua Three. Hey, fellas, I'd be okay with Hicks if he gets cut or they trade him, but. Oh, we just got a new comment, so it threw me off. But the Prince Amukamara idea, I am a f not a fan of. He's going to be 31 in June. Just seems like a Band-Aid temporary move. 
I'd rather the Broncos just shoot for Byron Jones. You guys definitely helped me get through my day. It's appreciated. I'm super excited about the free agency and the draft. Love this time of year. Speaking of commas, this uh, this was a comma chameleon comment right here. <laughs> that was all one sentence with a bunch of commas. Um, I'm really distracted by all these cop cars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to text some people that I know at, like, Channel 4. <laughs> yes. See if they can tell me why there are news trucks at my house. Uh, next one is from Dylan C. West. My guys, uh, you've wounded me to my nerdy core mixing up Shazam and Captain Marvel. I audibly groaned in my car and had to take action. <laughs> TLDR, Captain Marvel is a Marvel character who is essentially Superman in that universe. Shazam is a DC character who is a kid running around and can turn into a lightning-powered hero by clapping and yelling Shazam. Okay, yeah, I was reading it off the Wikipedia page uh, when I was going for Shazam Captain Marvel, so I do apologize. By the way, with stuff that's going on, I just I searched for DTC and this apartment complex name on here. This uh, was breaking overnight. This was from um, overnight. Uh, Micah Smith of uh, Channel 7. One person is dead after a shooting at this apartment complex. Three people were shot. Two victims are in critical condition. No arrests were made yet as of six hours ago. Is that door locked? Lovely. Wow. All we know is it's kind of around the corner. Honest question for you guys and the listeners. Do you think that I could get out of my lease because of that? (laughs) (laughs) Send something today. That's what I mean. Right. Send something today about drama. You're not comfortable. I am not comfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Be honest. I don't know. Maybe. Anyone who works in, like, real estate law, or if that's Help a RK thing. out. <laughs> hit me up. As of seven hours ago, police were searching for a suspect. Good. The door isn't <laughs> locked. Someone go lock the damn door. I'll be right back. <laughs> Mace is on his way. <laughs> so you said uh, multiple people were shot? Yes. Oh, God. One dead, two injured. Someone on the loose. Wow. That is good Good research there, Mace. Uh, next one coming in. First of oh. all, when we leave, we leave together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assume with all the cops in this apartment complex, you guys will be all right. <laughs> but they're over there. They're not here. <laughs> They're in another building. <laughs> wow. Uh, Dylan West 3 says, My guys, you've, woo- you've wounded me to my nerdy core. with mix- Oh, sorry. We just got, got that one. Next one from the Big Tabowski. I'm a little behind on the podcast this week as I tend to listen on my commute. And Storm, Den- Storm Dennis has caused more than a little disruption over here near the Welsh border. So I'm off work. Although compared to the natural disasters you get in the U.S., this is probably seen as just a bit of rain. Nevertheless, it has caused a fair bit of disruption to us unprepared Brits. Well, I I'm, hope you stay safe. Yeah. By the way, I hate this n- naming of winter storms that is in existence now, like hurricanes. I'm not a fan of this at all. Yeah, I didn't know that mm. was a thing. Yeah, the Weather Channel started it a few years ago, and now mm. everyone's catching on. Mm. I'm not a fan. Storm Dennis. I actually thought he was talking about Stormy Daniels. Well, and also, uh, you know, but this one, I guess Dennis is a menace, wouldn't you say? 
<laughs> oh, yes, it appears to be a menace. Okay, on Monday's pod, Zach and Mace were talking about names that were amusing in other languages. Well, I have to share my own favorite, which is not another language, but indeed in English. Every time his name is mentioned on NFL coverage, I snigger like a schoolboy and wonder if either of these words simply doesn't mean the same over the pond as it does here in the UK. And that player is Randy Bullock. Well, you'd say it if you're going to say it the way it's said in the UK. Bollocks! <laughs> Randy Bollocks. I always picture this adolescent bovine charging around an NFL field, humping anything that moves, and the laughter almost always gets the better of me. Doesn't matter how many times I hear the name, I just see special teams coaches struggling to contain the lustful exuberance of this honored beast. But yet, they always seem to manage to direct him toward the upright, and usually... The kick is good, L-M-F-A-L. Randy can't just mean the same in states. Or maybe you don't call young bulls bullocks, or maybe his parents are just so incredibly cruel. Someone, please enlighten me. We don't, I don't know what we call young bulls, but it's not bullocks. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, young bulls, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> From Joe Turner, 96, guys, I couldn't agree more. Donovan Peoples-Jones and Calvin Throckmorton are elite names. I was browsing the draft class names yesterday and came across a few more names in this upcoming class that deserve the elite tag. Kendall Vilder from Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. my Georgia Southern Eagles. Mm-hmm. Two, DJ Dallas from Miami. That's good. Mm-hmm. Three, Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia. Could only be a kicker's name. That's brilliant. Yep. Uh, Rigo up in Chico. Uh, mm-hmm. Four, Denzel Mims from Baylor. That one's mm-hmm. fine. That's nothing special. Five, Tanner Muse from Clemson. Muse okay. could be a headline writer's dream. It's oh, true. yeah. Uh, Van Jefferson from Florida. I like that one, but it's not elite. There's only um, two elite ones on this. Actually, well, there's only one elite one on this list, in my opinion. And Van Jefferson doesn't really sound like a football player. No. Sounds like a political consultant. Or yeah. A, Sounds like an old-time or president. An, or a member of an orchestra. Let's go to Van Jefferson, who's on the scene at the White House. <laughs> Let's go to Van Jefferson, who's on the scene outside of RK's apartment. God, that is whack. Yeah, it is. Um, and, of course, the best oh, for last. Joey Magnifico <laughs> from Memphis. <laughs> He's going to be Magnifico in the NFL. I, that one is elite. So you've yeah. got DJ Dallas and Joey Magnifico. Yep, those are elite. Oh, man, if Joey Magnifico was a <laughs> kicker, too, that'd be perfect. I think uh, I assume it's just Magnifico. Yes. Oh, you have to say Magnifico. I agree. <laughs> it's magnificent. Yes. Anyway, Onion Booty Bronco. Guys, can we pump the brakes on Von Miller being over the hill or on the Von Miller over the hill? Let's trade him rhetoric. Sure, he had less than world beating 2019, but this is Von Miller we're talking about. In 2018, I saw him rip, hit a pigskin straight from a running back's hands, and I've seen his closet. It's bigger than my apartment complex. Vaughn is the primary reason we won Super Bowl 50. The man is an athletic freak in year two of a new scheme, and he's back on his rigorous workout grind with that Captain Insano trainer guy. He's dishwasher salmon hungry. Also, I bet there's a part of Fangio that takes Vaughn's lackluster 2019 sack totals as a reflection of his own performance calling defensive plays and will make it imperative to raise Vaughn's sack numbers on the quarterbacks this season. Gents, what are your thoughts on Broncos country's allegiance or lack thereof to DJ Vaughn sauce? The Don. If we didn't have Vaughn, who would supply the locker room with fire jams? Love, Onion, Booty. (laughs) Well, I love your take. And and I think a lot of people, 
a lot of fans are where you are. They say, oh, he's Von Miller. He's always going to be Von Miller. He always it won Super Bowl 54. He was always a Super Bowl 50 MVP. And you're right. That's never going to change. But if you want the team to be better in the future, no player has 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 a price that can't be met. Unless you're talking elite quarterbacks, then I think those guys have a do or don't have a price. Any other person on a team has a price. If you can get Chase Young like that that trade we talked about earlier, you do it. And you thank Vaughn, you welcome him back for the Ring of Fame ceremony. Uh he's uh you honor him for when he's in the Hall of Fame, but you just can't be too emotional about it to help your team in the future. Saying all that, Von Miller is going to be here for a couple of years. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will, and I think the reasons to keep him probably outweigh the reasons to to trade him. That being said, there's something interesting that you you mentioned, uh, Onion Booty Bronco, and it's the notion that maybe there's a part of Fangio that takes what Vaughn did in 2019 as a reflection of his own performance calling defensive plays. I'm not sure Vic Fangio sees it that way. From Samuel B. Sue, hey guys, looking forward to the Combine coverage next week. I think with all of you, in, all three of you in Indy, it will be awesome. It will. It will. Quick question. What do you think Draymond Jones' ceiling is? And really quick, make sure that you subscribe if you haven't for the Combine. It's a great kind of kickoff to draft season for us, which we dominate draft season. Um, and then, of course, you just roll into the rest of the year. Um, I feel like the combine is really where things start to heat up for us, and it rolls all the way through the draft, which then rolls into rookie camp, to OTAs, to all that stuff. Couldn't agree more. Echo 100% what you He goes said. on. Quick question. What do you think Draymond Jones' ceiling is? Me, personally, I'm very high on him. I think he can be even better than Malik Jackson. Do you think he can take the leap next year? He's going to be a full a first year full-time starter next year. So to take a leap to be like Malik Jackson is asking a lot. I, I think he really steps into to his game in 2021. Malik wasn't the Malik we remember until year three of his career, don't forget. So that's, that's something to remember on this. I think Malik Jack- Jackson, though, I think that's a fair comp for him if he works out. That's what I'm hoping he'll be. Yeah, that's what I was hoping uh, Demarcus Walker would be. It's too. what the Broncos were hoping Adam Gotsis would be yep. when they drafted him. Yeah, right down to the fact that it might take him a year. Thinking it might take him a year, year plus to find his form, but it just didn't happen in the pass rush for him. Right. Um, my favorite series all time is Seinfeld, and my favorite episode is when Kramer finds the set from the Merv Griffin show. Oh, that's a brilliant episode where he basically just turns his apartment into a show set and starts interviewing everyone else as though they're on television ends up having Jim Fowler from wild kingdom in there. Like he says, where are the cameras? <laughs> he goes, Zach, I love the article on expectations and the production of the rookie class. It gives a lot of hope for the future of this team. What gives me the most hope is when I read that article, I think I even said it to you, Zach. I'm like, I think you might've set the expectations a little too high. Right. Mm. Exactly. And they almost all exceeded them. Yep. Most of them did. Except for Juwan Winfrey. Yep, everyone else did. It's incredible. Really incredible. Um, he goes on and says, My favorite non-DNVR podcast is Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. Makes you think differently about the things you thought you knew. I think Mace would enjoy it. It's a smart, well-researched, and excellently produced podcast. I'll give that a listen. Actually, I've, I read some Malcolm yeah. Gladwell in college, and he's 
got a fascinating mind. Well, one thing we've been kicking around is kind of at some point in the offseason is me doing some kind of what-if alternate Broncos history stories. But I've started thinking that might work as sort of a, pod, a podcast series as well, the, the, the alternate history of the Broncos. It could, mm, for yes. sure. Um, he says, I really love this community and the way we are part of each other's lives. I like the way people reach out with problems and the community responds always is so great. It's the best part about this is what you, all of you bring to the conversation and how, uh, we've, how we've built this community almost uh, out of thin air. And, uh, it, it's really, it's really awesome to see that. It's really awesome to, to meet with people at our tailgates on the road. It's the best part of this job. Real quick, I feel like I had a selfish reaction to the news that you read about my apartment complex here. I, first of all, I'm thinking about the people who were shot. Yes. But second of all, I don't really want to live here. Another cop car. Well, we know why now. Yes, yeah. we do. From Sir James Radio, draft season is fully upon us. With that in mind, what's everyone's biggest draft miss? For mine, for me, mine is Tony Pike coming out of Cincinnati. I thought he was going to be a force. Big L for me. Also, really quick, on the cage match conversation, I'll take Bill Kolar and spot you the extra guy. Uh, Bill Kolar had some surgeries in the last couple of years. so. But he fought a bear. Right. <laughs> I, I, Bill Kolar, say, 20 years ago, absolutely, I think. But he's still a very tough guy. And You're uh, once again taking the comment slightly too literally. I am. I know. <laughs> so are you taking Bill Kolar and Bachelor Pete? Because, you know, one fought a bear, the other fought a puma. Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't fight a Puma. Although, m- remember the mountain lion guy? Yes. I'll take Bill Kolar and the mountain lion guy, who we we doubted. We did. We did doubt. And I think it, he was eventually vindicated. I think so. He was. But yeah, Tony Pike, I believe the Panthers used a late-round pick on him when he came out. And it was the year that they'd also drafted Jimmy Clausen. And they got to a point later in the season, Matt Moore was hurt. Jimmy Clausen was hurt. They had Tony Pike sitting there who could have started against Baltimore, but John Fox chose to sign Brian St. Pierre off the street to start that Sunday. That shows you what they thought of Tony Pike. They didn't think he was coming down the pike. (laughs) Yes. Go ahead. From Hank Hill's propane and propane accessories. One, Zach, you should get a lab or a husky. I have both, and they're really great for runs. Mm, Both good dogs. Two, I have my first semi-pro football game on Saturday, ready to show out for the DNVR fam. Go get him. Good luck, man. Can't wait to see it. Three, I'm 6'3", and mainly arms and legs. If someone uh, leans back on a flight, I get to a level of pettiness where I jam my knees into their back for making an already uncomfortable flight because my height, uh, because of my height, even more uncomfortable. I don't blame you for that. <laughs> Not one iota. Ryan does blame you. I don't blame you, but it's just I feel like we have a problem with communication in our society where you could just simply tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, my knees are already pressed up against the seat. Would you at all mind? But who started the communication problem? The one who didn't ask before leaning their seat back? Just be the bigger one here. Yeah, exactly. So but And then what if they say no? Then do you go full guy on the plane video that came out where you just take your fists and just bump them the whole flight? Apparently, I sleep through every flight. Um, but my girlfriend told me there was a huge um, confrontation on a flight I was on this weekend. Oh, wow. Apparently, the, the guy was in seat 1A. That would be on the aisle, right? He moved to seat 1C. 1A is on the window. One Okay, 1C? Yeah. 1C 
or sometimes in first class, I just do A, B, C, D. So, Anyways, okay. he was on the aisle, and that was his assigned seat. Then he moved. It was a pretty empty flight, so he moved to the window seat and reclined back into this woman. Mm. And she was using her laptop, and the recline like made it so she couldn't use her laptop. <laughs> and she was just like, she was the bigger person. Was like, excuse me, sir. Like, I'm trying to work on my laptop, and I can't. And he was like, he like snapped and was like. Uh, like I pay for the right to be able to recline my seat. Like I pay to be in the first row so I could be able to recline my seat. And she was like, yeah, but you didn't pay for this seat. You paid for that one. Uh, and like it became this whole ordeal. And eventually he ended up uh, after like a law, like, like my girlfriend said, this was like a 30 minute ordeal. He eventually moved back to the aisle seat. Wow. That's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh God. I will say I have been the petty one, too, so I'm not trying to be on the high horse here. But I do – I re- later regret it. I'm like, I should have just said something. Right, right, instead of just jamming your knees in or something. I think I told the story. I just kept – I my oh, head yeah, was already head. in the seat. So when she tried to recline, it just hit my head, and I just didn't budge my head, which actually wasn't me being petty. I just held my ground. Right, yeah, held your ground. I, it was like uh, taking a charge. Like, I was already in that space. And then you had the – right, and then you had the Peyton Manning forehead. After taking uh, taking the helmet off? Yep. Yeah, the red. Love it. Bronco Brit 73 just picked up my tea from the office and met Andre. Sorry I missed you guys. Was too embarrassed to say hello to Allie. <laughs> Love the tea, and I got to see the studios. Definitely worth the trip from the UK. Go Broncos and going to watch the Avs against the Islanders. Keep up the good pod. Well, I'm actually going to be at the game tonight, so if you are in the comment section of this podcast before the game happens tonight, I'll shoot over where you're sitting. I'll try to stop by. Or just tweet at Mace if you hear this. Yeah, that too. Um, From, oh goodness, we got a long one. From Sorry. Kai Olson. Hey guys, I'm excited to see where you might be picking, uh, here. I'm excited to hear you might be picking up an EPL team to support. Ryan, it was so cool to hear you talk about liking Sunderland. One of my earliest memories was when Niall Quinn, who was Ireland's all-time leading scorer, drove me to McDonald's because he thought I looked bored sitting in one of my dad's business meetings. Unfortunately, Sunderland isn't in the Premier League. But as someone who grew up in the sport, I do have a team that I feel is an obvious and easy choice. So Sunderland, they got uh, relegated? Yeah, they're kind of a yo-yo club. (laughs) I love that word, yo-yo club. Yeah. One, Everton is the biggest and best team you can choose without being a bandwagon fan. Two, 50% of the club was recently sold to a mega billionaire and they hired a big time coach in January, so you might be coming in at the perfect time. Three, Zach already owns an Everton jersey with his name on it. This is true. (laughs) I got it for me. Why? How? He worked for them, I think. And so got me me one. And you know what? I mean, you guys already know this about their jerseys. They are so different and unique than NFL jerseys or than any sports jersey here just with how they're like a great jersey to work out in oh mm, yeah like so lightweight or they, you can just kind of like wear it as like a t-shirt exactly yes. yeah exactly where you you don't wear a t-shirt right like i personally would never wear a jersey uh, any jersey i have just around no no it, but it, i guess it's because none, none of them actually are t-shirts Right. It's a really nice t-shirt is yeah. what the jerseys are. It's like a dry fit Nike yeah, exactly. t-shirt. exactly. Yeah, the dry fit. Yeah, because like you wouldn't wear – you don't just wear a baseball. Like the only time you could – maybe I would wear a, a jersey to like a normal thing would be like um, going to like Wash Park for right. the day. Yep, and you wear a, you wear a Nuggets 
and then it's fine that it's a T. Right. Or, or maybe uh, even tank. wear like a Rockies just because right. I'm, you know. Yep. Oh, we're going to have to do that this summer. I didn't realize. Well, Zach, I guess Everton's your team. I guess Everton's my team. Thanks, Kai, for reminding me. Four, Everton has the strongest ties to American players. I knew this. Tim Howard, Landon Donovan, Brian McBride, and Joe Max Moore were all blues. Yep. On my last day working for Everton, Tim actually sent me a signed shirt. That's awesome. Five, because of this American connection, fan uh, fan clubs can be found everywhere, including Denver and Fort Collins. So if you like watching games at a pub with a big group of fans, Everton is ideal. Six, Everton has the best atmosphere of any team in England. They don't get overrun by tourists like Liverpool, whose stadium sits 300 yards away. The Everton fan songs are so good that every other fan base routinely steals or adopts them. Seven, they play in a stadium from the 1800s that has so much history it makes Wrigley Field feel like Tropicana. It has the best views of any stadium. The second tier of the Bullens Road Stand actually extends over the lower tier all the way to the edge of the field, so so steep that you feel like you're on top of the action watching down on it like a god. Eight, their list of celebrity fans includes Sylvester Stallone and former Broncos fullback Jacob Hester. <laughs> Nine is for Dixie Dean, who scored 60 goals in 1927. Ten, most importantly, if you end up going to England for the Broncos, I could probably arrange for you to get tickets and maybe even a player interview if you were interested. Everton was the first pro soccer team to have a podcast. Also, the uh, club for a few years of my favorite English player growing up, Gary Lineker. Man, that was convincing. Very, very convincing. <laughs> what are the, what's their nickname? Toffees. That's not convincing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Also, because my favorite soccer player of all time, predictably, as an American who isn't that big into soccer, is Landon Donovan. And there's something to be or said Donnie, in terms of character <laughs> for choosing the per- the perceived less famous side of two teams in the same of a situation where you have two teams in the same city. Because I mean, I chose Manchester City back when they were a clear number two. When they got, I actually became a fan when they got relegated. I took pity on them because they got relegated because they were dribbling out the clock. They didn't realize they needed to win. They thought they just needed a tie, and so they're just dribbling it out. And people are yelling at the stands from, "No, you've got to try to score!" And I just felt bad for them because it was so incompetent. Um, but yeah, there, there's character in choosing Everton, and I, I love the fact that uh, that Anfield and Goodison Park are so close to each other in that in that really tight proximity. I mean, that would basically be like if the Giants and Jets played in different stadiums and they were just across the parking lot from each other. Right. It's pretty cool. That All is right. cool. An interesting case. I uh they're high on my rankings. Love it. Good argument there. Kai and last one I think coming in from Ballin Nick Cast. I think the story about leaving the position coaches at Dove Valley is overblown. We've already We've always had position coaches there, and that hasn't stopped from us drafting the likes of Paxton Lynch, Monte Ball, Philip Blake, Cody Latimer, Shane Ray, Carlos Henderson, Brendan Langley, etc. I mean, you could do this with literally every team. Every the team. point is that the last two drafts have been very good. The coaches may have the opportunity to informally meet at the guys at the combine, but if those informal conversations are better fact-finding ventures than the scouts and front office connections to a player's friends, coaches, etc., then there is a much bigger problem with the Broncos organization than the fact that we are leaving position coaches at home. The Broncos scouting department and front office should be able to get the truth about a prospect's personality without the need for position coaches to have a 10-minute conversation at the combine. Just my two cents. Thanks for all the good work. Well, some of those examples, I mean, let's take Carlos Henderson. I mean, he played for Vance Joseph's brother at Louisiana Tech. That's my. So that's not on. You know, that's not on the position coach, for example. Also, 
I'll say this. If it boils down to literally the smallest and most important part, or least important part of this, is that the coaches like being there. That's enough for me. Coaches do so much. It's not as if this is a vacation, but it's something that they can do that's football involved that is also fun for them. And it's basically and to me that's yeah. enough to say they should be there. And it's not only fun, but it's a it's basically a coach's convention, so it's a chance to make connections and it can help their individual careers too. So it's it's doing something for the coaches while also having them work. Exactly. It's a little treat for them. Exactly. I just think I I think this is Vic's personality showing. He's a football guy through and through and through and so so are all of these coaches of course but he's just you know a hundred percent football guy and he doesn't think that these other coaches should be doing anything else and i guess that's his take if you want rubber guys you head to the denver rubber company they've been tried and true since 1972 and they provided the the custom die cut gaskets molded rubber custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses and so much more they are your go-to for all of your rubber needs and with all this snow we've had in denver you definitely need uh probably some new custom blades on that or custom rubber on that snow plow of yours so make sure you hit up denver rubber company for that and if you're going to the avs game tonight then maybe you want to stop by the blake street tavern before you get there it's a massive bar bigger than you could probably ever imagine in most cities and they also have an incredible menu with a ton of delicious food, so you cannot go wrong going to BST. So take your snowplow with Denver Rubber Company on it, drive down to BST tonight to clear the way, ha- have some Breck brews there, and boy, you got yourself a night. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Ryan, stay safe. Pray for me. <laughs> Let's all stay safe. Yes, I'll, I'll keep an extra eye on you guys as you walk, walk to the car. <laughs> Are um, you hanging here for the day? I am hanging here for the day, okay. yes. With doors locked. So I'll be and, locked and, in yeah. from my perch. But yeah, everybody around here stay <laughs> safe. Keeping one eye outside the window. Yeah, just be careful out there to everybody. All right. We thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.